Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. everyone. Happy Monday. Great to have you with us. Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's a sunny day in St. Louis. I'll give you, take you a little behind the curtain here. We have a, a tendency just to chit-chat in the minutes leading up to the show. And literally five seconds before we were supposed to go on the air, I looked at my clock and I said, oh, we better get on the air here. Yeah, we better figure out what we're going to talk about. <laughs> Mics are going to get cracked here in five seconds. How was your weekend? It was good. It's great to have a, a very strong St. Louis Blues victory, a bounce-back victory on a Saturday night. So good weekend for me. How about you? It was great. Uh my wife, Joan, as you know, and I told you the other day, she likes and pays attention to the half birthday. And we missed yours while you were in South Africa. Yeah, that's okay. But uh, so we but did. Thank you. Yeah, we, we did top golf, did the cake and everything on Saturday. So it was fun. For was you? Good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you have a great time? Yeah. So I, my last, I guess, half birthday, maybe we'll, we can do a quarter birthday before I turn 60. Oh, I'm yeah. 59 and a half. We should do a quarter birthday. <laughs> I got to do something. So I got to have one celebration before I die. So you get a half birthday celebration every single year? Yeah, pretty much. That's awesome. That's a family thing. We even do the do it for the dogs. Wow. Yeah. How did that get started? I don't know, but it did. It's fun. It is fun. Yeah. I mean, I love any excuse to celebrate the people yeah. that I love and care about, but I just didn't know if there was some story about a half birthday and no. then it's just a tradition continued. Yeah, it, it's just a great tradition. It is. Michelle, you were, uh, as they say in Canada, bang on about our St. Louis Blues. <laughs> uh, 6-3 victory over Toronto and... I really didn't think going into this game that the Blues had much of a chance because of the loss to Montreal the other night and the fact that Toronto is really good. They're play- they've had a ton of talent for a long time, but they're playing better than they ever have. And so I expected the Blues would put up a fight but not come away with a victory, and they were really impressive. See, and I expected the Blues to win that game because... They've been. They've had a tendency to bounce back this season, and when we got the word that Vladimir Tarasenko wasn't going to be in the game because he was dealing with an undisclosed injury, I figured that the team would rally. This is a team that, if you look in the first half, what was their identity? What was the main storyline? That regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the players, uh, whether they're a big role or a minor role player that was out, the team found a way to win. And so I expected them to come out with a little bit more fervor in this one. Butchnevich and Kostin giving the Blues a 2-0 lead in the first period. Back comes William Nylander of the Maple Leafs with a pair of goals to tie it. Braden Shen gives the Blues the lead. The Leafs come back to tie it. We're in the third period, and Brandon Saad was the guy who gave the Blues the lead for good. Now off O'Reilly to Pareko. Pareko with a wrist shot back door. They center, they score! Brandon Saad from David Perron. And every line has scored for the Blues tonight. 
It's a 4-3 St. Louis Blues lead. 15-22 to go, third period. Number 16 on the year for Saad. Midway through the period, Ryan O'Reilly scored his 11th. Bushnevich with an empty netter at the 1643 mark. That was his second of the game and 18th of the season. Tied for the Blues lead. And the Blues do win at 6-3. And another solid performance from Ville Husso, who is now the number one goalie for the Blues. That's one of my takeaways from the game, Randy. Another strong performance from Husso. And it's going to be an interesting balancing act for Craig Bruby moving forward because... Every game matters. Every point matters. You want to ride the hot hand. But if you do have any intent on getting Jordan Bennington right, you're going to have to find spots for him. It's going to be very interesting to see how Chief tries to massage that and find those spots for 50. Coach, what would you think? Well, we did a good job of protecting the, the middle of the ice, <clears throat> especially in our end. Uh, they're a very good team of finding it. I thought, uh, you know, we did a great job of that. Third period, we, we, we let a couple slip there, but our goalie came up big for us in the third, made some big saves, uh, and we, we scored on our opportunities tonight, stayed out of the penalty box. And the Blues now have the third best record in the Western Conference for everything they've been through, Michelle. Think about this. Only Colorado, Minnesota, and Colorado and Minnesota have more points in the conference than the Blues do. Which is incredible because yeah. they have endured a lot. But that, like I said earlier, is the identity of this team to this point this season is to overcome. College basketball, a rough one for the Billikens. They've lost three out of four now. They lose at Davidson, no surprise, 79-58 on Saturday. Last night in Columbia, Mississippi State got a coast-to-coast trip from Shaquille Moore. He rebounded a Mizzou three-pointer and hit the layup with 10 and a half seconds left to give Mississippi State a 58-56 win over the Tigers and the number 12 ILL INI. Big win over Michigan State. Shout out to Trent Frazier. That's the Trent Frazier game. Um, I I just am so happy for him and a performance like that. And Tom Izzo, a lot of praise for Trent Frazier after the game, Mm -hmm. calling him the best player on the court and saying that he's the straw that stirs the drink, which he absolutely is. He's such an important component to this Illinois team. And one thing about Brad Underwood, and he's done this ever since he's been at Illinois, he has his team peaking towards the end of the season, doesn't he? This team is playing better now. And obviously they have all their guys, which helps. But... They just seem to be a team, to, to be a program that ascends at the right time of year. Yeah, we'll just ignore that loss to Rutgers, and then you're right. Yeah, but the, everybody's <laughs> going to lose conference games. You, and Rutgers was playing well. You they go were. on the road. They beat I, four ranked teams. Yeah. They, they're a tough yep. team. No, I was just kidding, though. But that's a team, if you're going to make some noise in the tournament, you should want to go out and handle Rutgers. I think from a team perspective, and this has changed a little bit over the years, but generally, the hardest thing, hardest game to win in sports is a conference road basketball game. It's really difficult to go to somebody else's building and win. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, Juwan Howard had his team fall to Wisconsin. And after the game, Juwan Howard going through the uh, the line, shaking hands, and he gets into it with Greg Gard, the head coach of Wisconsin. And then a little uh, melee ensued, and Juwan Howard wound up uh, throwing a blow, not really a punch, at one of the Badgers' assistant coaches. And Juwan Howard in some trouble this morning. Yeah, everyone's calling it a punch, but if you watch the video, it's more of an open palm, not even a slap, just kind of like a face palm, um, almost slap. Either way, it was unnecessary and I'm sure he's going to be suspended and should not be tolerated but 
if you could if you I watched several different angles, Randy, and you can hear the jawing that was going back and forth. Clearly, he took umbrage with the timeout. There was a lot that was happening, but regardless, you should not be putting your hands on anyone in that situation. And guards' explanation of a timeout with 15 seconds left and a 15-point lead is that he had his second team on the court. They were having trouble getting the ball across midcourt, so he wanted to reset the clock and give his team 10 full seconds, all of his reserves that never play, to get across midcourt. And Juwan Howard didn't take too kindly to that, and so we've got a little controversy in the Big Ten, which is great. Controversy is a good thing. It is. Do you think that, well, he's obviously going to be punished. What do you think the punishment should be? It what sh- punishment should fit the crime it here? Should be a f- it should be a fine. If he gets suspended, that'll be a joke. We'll have to call our buddy Kevin Warren. Uh, Michelle and Kevin Warren and I are tight, so we'll, we'll just call him and say, hey, even though we aren't Michigan people at all, Hey, come on. Let's be logical here. They're going to have to make an example out of this. He's absolutely going to be suspended. Yeah. I don't know if it'll be through the rest of the regular season. Some people were suggesting the conference tournament as well. I doubt that's One going game. to happen, especially because it's Jawan Howard and it's Michigan. If this was another school and another coach, I wonder what the conversation would be. But he's obviously not going to be suspended for the conference tournament. No. I would be floored if he was. Yeah. Well, if, at the end of the day, it wasn't that big of a deal. If that's happening on the court and somebody does that maybe a player gets suspended for a game but it's really the the impact of what he did is not that severe but what about the fact that he is leading young men and the example that that's setting for them those young men already they're already established he's not going to guide their personality if they're predisposed to do something like that they're going to do it and if they're not they won't or it's a learning situation it's an right. example hey guys, don't, don't do this don't let your emotions get the best of you like <laughs> exactly. i did learn from my mistakes exactly. right the nba all-star game last night in cleveland steph curry 16 threes and 50 points did you watch any of this by the way i watched a little bit of it steph was out of his mind was great and he then is lebron so at, fun. yeah lebron at the end with a buzzer beater they use a, a, a new way to finish and it's called the, the is it the elam the elam finish and uh so what they do is they, whatever team is ahead, Matt Rocchio is here. Matt Rocchio can explain this a whole lot better than I can. Whatever team is ahead at the third, at the end of the third, you then tack on a specific number of points. The different elam ending situations have different ones. They do this. They do twenty four in the All Star game in honor, in honor of, Kobe. of Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. So they tack on twenty four to the leading team at the end of the third quarter score, and that becomes the target score. First team to score that many points now wins. It cuts down on free throws and that kind of end of game malaise that is you know so known in basketball when teams start pulling away. Right, people don't foul anymore. But what was interesting about last night was that the over under was three twenty four. <laughs> and the only way they could have gone over is if the losing team had 162 points and the losing team had 160. So if you bet the over, you were out of luck. Heartbreaker. No doubt. And bet the over in the NBA All-Star game at 324, you're feeling pretty good going in. Yeah, you'd think so. And if, by the way, if they would have not had the Elam finish, then they would have easily gone over and those people would have won. And one of the coolest things I thought from the weekend, too, was seeing all the NBA legends get together for that photo. Yep. I mean, so cool. it is so cool to see how many of those guys are there and the respect and admiration they have for one another to see all of those different guys interacting. That's one of the really, really cool things about the NBA. Down in Daytona, rookie Austin Sindrick wins his first race in, what's it called? What's the, what do they call the, the nickname of Daytona? 65780, their comfort service sex line. Oh, no. There is a nickname for it. Is it the Great American Race? Yeah, the, the Great American Race won by, by rookie Austin Sindrick. So good. Congratulations to Austin Sindrick. Good on him. Right? Great American Race down Daytona, Florida. 65780 if I'm wrong or if I'm right.
I don't mind the being, greatest spectacle in racing. The greatest spectacle in racing. There we go. And Major League Baseball players and owners scheduled to meet today and every day this week with spring training games starting no earlier than March 5th. That was determined on Monday. And Michelle, if you go to the Cardinal website, they have their spring season starting on March 5th. Well, let's go. Let's go, guys. Get in this room. Have the CSP, the common sense person, join you inside mm-hmm. the room. Put a broom through the door handles. Just lock them in there until they get it done. Give me a CSP that both sides would respect that we could get this accomplished within a week with. Who is, is it? Who's a good CSP? Is Tony LaRusa that guy? Players and owners both respect him. He clearly cares about the game mm-hmm. more more than maybe yeah, anybody. Right. He he cares about the future of the game and has worked with both players and owners. Yeah. And he does not mess around. How about Derek Jeter? He's an owner now, so I don't know. But, he he clearly has bias. Yeah, yeah. Tony wants to play. Tony's an interesting call. He might lose it a little bit, but that that'd be fine. But I'm trying to think of someone that can oscillate between both sides. And both sides aren't going to try to mess with that. Somebody has the respect of both sides. Yes. Tony's a great call. Thank you. I think so, too. It just came to my head, obviously, because we're in St. Louis. But I truly think that he would be the guy. And he's not afraid of anybody. Tony's not afraid of one person in that room. You know who doesn't have the explosive personality that might be able to smooth things over? And I, I was actually on a call with Joe Torrey last week. Joe Torrey's another guy that would be great. Now, he's worked in the commissioner's office, and that might work against him with the players. But... He was also at the forefront of the players' union. He was one of the founders of the Players Association. And if players understand, and the leadership of the players understand, what Joe Torrey's background is, he might be another CSP. I think it's important that that the CSP has been in the dugout and been with Mm -hmm. players and can really understand what every player at every level is going through and what they're fighting for. We need to send an email to Tony Clark. And, well, why don't we... No, we don't want to send it to the idiots. Can we tell Max Scherzer? No, I, I think you got to send it to Tony Clark and I hate to do it with Dick Monfort or well, just Mr. DeWitt, I guess. Yeah, let's just put Scherzer, Mr. DeWitt on an email, group text maybe. Yeah, that'd be good. Here's, hey guys, and by I, know, the way, I know you're planning a meeting. Here's I, a, a suggestion. Yeah, I mentioned idiots and the idiots are Bruce Meyer and Dan Halem, the two negotiators <laughs> who couldn't care less about fans or baseball. They're, they're in it for what they think their job is. They think they're representing grocery store workers, and we love the grocery store workers at Schnucks, but, and everybody, we love all all union people. We, we, we love y'all. But the problem is, is that they don't care. The, the people that are doing that negotiating in baseball don't care about the third party that's involved here, the customer. And we don't notice if the UAW or the Teamsters or the eventually we'll notice if truckers go on strike, people like that, right? But we really notice if they don't give us our baseball. And these people don't have the best interests of the most important party at heart. The most important party is the fan. It's their customer. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're alienating people that are going to pay your salaries. Yeah. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We've got start one, bench one, cut one on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'm ready to go in. 
coach. Just give me a chance. Character and Smallman. Solid athlete, solid arm. Start one. Warm up. You're going in. Bench one. Mediocre. Hit the shower. Cut one. You're off the team. I put head. What? Start one, bench one, cut one on Character and Smallman. All right, start one, bench one, cut one. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Matt is here. Michelle is here. I'm Randy. Okay, guys, I want you to both weigh in on this because this is in regards to, in part, last night's NBA All-Star Game. To watch in a game now, start one, bench one, cut one from Team LeBron. LeBron himself, Steph Curry, and Giannis. Oh, that's a really, really good one. And not just in the in the NBA All-Star game last night, but overall, you're going to sit down on a Thursday night TNT. Well, I'm going to start, Steph. There's no one I find more entertaining in basketball, and he's in the conversation in all of sports than Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to bench Giannis and cut LeBron. And maybe that's uh, the state of the Lakers, and that's not necessarily fair because we're talking about individual performances because LeBron obviously still can turn it on, but... I think I'm going Steph, Giannis, LeBron. Okay. What do you got, Matthew? What, did you say for one game for this year? No, for just, for, just to watch. Just, just to, to sit watch? down and watch Ooh. on a typical Thursday night with their team. Oh, okay, then. I'm going to go with uh, start. I'm, gonna, I'm starting Steph Curry. I'm benching Giannis. And I'm cutting LeBron. As much as I love LeBron, I'm, I love watching him. I just, you know, I, I've watched a ton of LeBron James, and, and there's, there's going to be still some more, in the, you know, I think in the playoffs and stuff this year. I just, I... You're talking about two of my favorite players when it comes to Steph Curry and Giannis, and they're just so physically dominant. Steph Curry's got to be my start. I mean, look what he did in that All-Star game. Yeah. So, I mean, 40, so forty foot shots are routine. You two are still the same. I'm with you in terms of starting Steph. I'm going to bench LeBron, though, and cut Giannis. LeBron is doing unprecedented things. Mm-hmm. He scored 25 points or more, 29 games in a row at the age of 37. It's unbelievable, actually, what's happening with LeBron James. And... I dare say it's something that we'll never see again. So I'm going to take it in and, and savor it. And like I said, maybe the way I'm viewing LeBron is through the Lakers lens, and yeah. that's unfair. But Well, I like to see LeBron succeed and the Lakers lose. And that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> yeah, that's Great true. season for you right now, Randy. How about that? Yeah, well, and you know what? It's And I don't know the guy at all, but I find Russell Westbrook to be quite unlikable. And I think so to his teammates. <laughs> it seems like it. So it's really difficult for me. I can root for AD, and I can root for Frank Vogel, but it's really difficult for me to root for Russell Westbrook for some reason. All right. Start one, bench one, cut ones. Quarterbacks that could be on the move edition. Okay. Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Jimmy Garoppolo. This is great. Thank you. All right. One has been in a Super Bowl and has been within an eyelash of another, and I don't think it's a coincidence, and he's got an unbelievable one-loss record. I'm clearly starting Jimmy G. Uh, Boy, the second one is difficult for me, but I think that, uh, you know what? Okay. Okay. I think I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins. You're, you're benching I, Kirk. I'm going to bench Cousins, mm-hmm. and I'm going to cut. Uh, I think I'm going to cut Baker Mayfield. Baker hasn't done much yet. No. And he's kind of been disappointing. He's hard to root for. So. You like that? You like that? 
I'm surprised you didn't start Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I do like Kirk. <laughs> I know you really do. Kirk is cool. He is. And what if Kirk Cousins was on the Patriots when Jimmy G was? Or what if Kirk Cousins was on this 49ers team? Do you think he would have the same results, if not better, than Jimmy Garoppolo? It's a good question. I don't think so, though. Maybe. Maybe. What I, about Baker Mayfield? What if same. he was on this 49ers team? No. No. Baker Mayfield feels dangerous, but he's only dangerous for his own team. I'm with you. I'm starting Jimmy G. I'm benching Kirk, and I'm going to cut Baker Mayfield. So we were playing the game this weekend of, uh, so it was uh, me, Joan, Katie, Patrick, and Patrick's girlfriend. And we were at a restaurant playing the game of, uh, you know, cute celebrity guys. And so. <laughs> what's what's that game? What is the game well, of so cute celebrity was, guys? I don't, I've never played. What it came played. down to is something that Joan would approve of as Katie's future husband. And so it's so, just like a thumbs up, thumbs down yeah, type we're, scenario? We're, okay. we're going through actors, singers. Sure, sure. And finally I said, well, what about Jimmy G? And Joan didn't know who he was. And so I get the pictures of Jimmy G on the phone. She's, oh, I approve. <laughs> I approve. So she's totally on the Jimmy G bandwagon. So, Randy, as you know, I was in New York for a mm-hmm. uh, conference championship weekend. And I was trying to get all my friends on Sunday to go watch football with me. <laughs> Let me tell you, my friends couldn't care less about sports, none of them. And I'm on the group text. I'm like, guys, you planned great, fun things to do Friday, Saturday. Sunday is mine. Sunday is mine. We need to go somewhere and watch football. It's the one thing I ask in the five days that I'm here. And everyone's like, I don't know. I don't really think that's fun. I just sent, without any words, a picture of Jimmy Garoppolo. And the first response was, I'm in. (laughs) And we watched football, all of us. There was like seven or eight of my friends that were like. And then I sent a picture of Joe Burrow. They were also in. But Jimmy Garoppolo really sealed the deal to get my friends to watch football with me. So thank you, Jimmy. like a quarterback that can smile during a game. And he does. He's one of the few. Who, smi- Jimmy? Jimmy G. Yeah. So does Joe Burrow. Yeah. Joe's introducing right, himself to the opposition. Yeah, pretty cool. All right, Matthew, what do we have on the text line? We got start one, bench one, cut one, summertime activities. This person is tired of the weather. A round of golf on the weekend, a staycation, or a 1 p.m. cards game in July. Okay, I'm cutting 1 p.m. cards game in July because... Why wouldn't you be, say, June? Because it's just unbearably hot. Um, I am going to bench staycation, and I'm going to start a round of golf. Okay, guys, this is kind of silly for me, because if I do a staycation, I'm probably going to play golf and do the cards game. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. Right? So I'm I'm going to... This is obvious for me, right? I'm, I'm starting the round of golf. Yeah, of course. I'm benching the Cardinals game, and then I'm cutting the staycation, because that's essentially what I'm doing with the first two. But July, some of those some of those games in July, who it's hot. You give me the choice between opening day, March thirty first and thirty degrees, and July and hundred and ten. I'll take the hundred and ten every single time. Oh, but see, opening day is not fair because it's a holiday. Well, second game of the season. Okay, second that, game okay, of the okay, season. Okay, there you go. All right. The second game of the season. Uh, St. Louis uh, ultimate common sense person, Bob Costas, Ozzy Smith, Uncle Randy. Ooh. Okay, well, I'm going to start Uncle Randy, and this is not biased, but I just think Randy would have no ego going into that room. And not saying that Ozzy or Bob Costas would, but Randy, Randy just wants baseball to happen. <laughs> and I also think that um, Randy has a, a rage blackout element that I don't know if the other two have. So if both of these guys start acting like idiots, Randy will step to them. Ozzy's just the sweetest man in the entire world, and Bob Costas is so refined. I can't see him having a rage blackout moment. So because of the rage blackout factor, Uncle Randy's getting the start. I'm going to then 
put in Bob Costas because he will use big words and confuse everyone into mm -hmm. doing what he mm -hmm. wants. And I'm going to cut Ozzie Smith, even though you could obviously make the argument to start him because he would be a great CSP. Okay. Because of the rage blackout factor, I'm cutting Uncle Randy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start Bob Costas. I don't think anybody is more thoughtful about how to have baseball progress than Bob. And I would hope that he would command the respect of both sides. Although there has been a time where baseball leadership and ownership has been down on Bob and has through channels made it clear to him that ownership was not thrilled with him. Hmm. But that's a good thing because you want uh, an agreement that both sides aren't really thrilled with. Bob would be number one. Ozzie is another extremely logical, common sense person who's been on both sides. And so I would uh, I would bench Ozzy and I would absolutely cut Uncle Randy because I don't want any physical altercations to occur. You would Juwan Howard someone? Yeah. That Bruce Meyer has a punchable face. He's so I would absolutely, there's no doubt. I, I would deck that little fella. You couldn't say that anymore, Randy. Um, <laughs> or, okay, so I guess it's not National Cookie Day, but we got somebody throwing in a food one here. Okay, good. Chocolate chip cookies, Oreos, or Snickerdoodles? Okay, let me start with this, and can I get a ruling? Sure. Are they crunchy chocolate chip? Like the... It says homemade, so I assume it's okay, going to be so a little bit more... More chewy. Oh, yeah, a little bit more chewy. Okay, because so. that's the only what are the ones that come in the bag that... Uh, yeah, why, why Chips have... Ahoy. Chips Ahoy. Why not a, not a fan of crispy chocolate chip. Why have a crunchy cookie? I'm with you. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm telegraphing what my answer is here, obviously, on the Oreo, but yeah. still. So well, what was the third one? Chocolate Snickerdoodle. Snicker... Okay, that's... Also homemade, so apparently, you know, not, not too yeah. crunchy. Uh, okay, kids, I'm... Going with the homemade chocolate chip cookie, and I don't think that this is close. This is this is unbelievable. It's a blowout. Uh, Oreo is getting benched, and the Snickerdoodle is getting cut and told never come back. Never. Never. Lifetime ban for Total. old, for yep. old Snickerdoodles. Oh, you've been cut. Yeah. Wow. Why? Benched. They're just not that great. Whew. Well, I actually they're offensive. They're, they're, they're beyond. They're, You're they're, telling me a Snickerdoodle cookie, a homemade Snickerdoodle, yeah. is offensive. It's beyond not great. It's offensive. Yeah. Oh, we're not talking oatmeal raisin here, Randy. It it's, still has some sugar in it. I take the oatmeal raisin over this. Oh, what? every day. The oatmeal the raisin yeah. knows what it is. Yeah. Snickerdoodles, it's a farce. Raisins a, are like decrepit grapes. Okay. Yeah. And oatmeal, what is this? Why would you have Snickerdoodle as a dessert? Right there. Snickerdoodle what? is like a punishment. That well, I will take that punishment all day. If my punishment is Snickerdoodle cookies, then I will take it. Compared to these, though, Oreo double stuff. Ooh man! They didn't say oh. double stuff. They said but just still, Oreo plain. I can make a double stuff out of it. I, I can make my own homemade. Like I take one side, take the uh, the uh, the crispy side, take the other side, take the crispy side, put the cream together, and I've got my own homemade double stuff. And I don't mind eating the other sides no, of an you Oreo. You do with those cookies. Put them in a plastic bag, put them in the fridge, buy yourself some mm. vanilla ice cream, mm -hmm. bam. Mm. Oreo ice cream. Yep. Right Bingo. there, made fresh. So the, Michelle obviously is offended by this. From the 314. Clearly. From the 314, Snickerdoodles are whack. They, yeah. They are. right thinking people on this text line. Yeah. I cannot believe. What are those um, those Girl Scout cookies, Samoas or whatever that, that have? With the coconut? Yeah, those are terrible. That's a punishment. No disrespect, Girl Scouts of America. Love me a freezer thin mint. Love me one of those peanut butter chocolate deals. Oh, a dosey do, a tag along. We Great. have multiple people at our work that are going to sell us Girl Scout cookies hopefully within the next couple of weeks. Kelly Hanna, our sales oh, manager, no, Scotty Weiner, uh, does a great job with his daughter. And Michelle, I would go so far as to say that if I'm buying 10 boxes, which I do many times, 
Eight of them might be Samoas. Wow. So your opinion is disregarded here <laughs> in this cookie conversation. I'm going to start homemade chocolate chip cookies. Few things in life better than a fresh chocolate chip cookie out the oven. I'm going to bench homemade snickerdoodles Ooh. because I'm going to take homemade over store-bought any day of the week. Sorry, Oreos. You're cut. Because you know what, Randy? You know what is in a homemade snickerdoodle that is not in a boxed Oreo? Cinnamon. Love. Love. Oh. The ingredient of love. Hey, you know what? Okay, so I don't want to offend anybody here. But you're going to trudge yeah. on and do it? Michelle used to live near Soulard Market and spent a lot of time at Soulard Market. Yes, I Market did. On weekends. Lots of time. I also spend a lot of time at Soulard Market. And one time, we were just walking down Soulard Market towards, I guess we were on the north side. And we're walking down and we see an Amish bakery. And we say, oh, Amish bakery. It must be great. Yeah, yeah. So we buy Amish cookies. Again, I'm sure somebody loves them. We didn't. How can you screw up cookies? They were the worst cookies we've ever had. What they was were, bad about them? They were, the texture was horrible and the flavor was horrible. But huh. otherwise, they were really good. Um, they were awful. And so, yes, you can screw up a cookie that's made with... I, who's going to love anybody more than an Amish person? Randy came across the one group of Amish who couldn't churn butter. <laughs> it was awful. They were... And we still talk about it. How can you mess that up? And they did. Wow. Well, I never saw that when I lived down there, so I'm assuming that they're not there anymore. Yeah, see, that's telling. That's part of the business, I guess. Well, you know, you'd think, too, if they churn their own butter, that butter that's would be whipped and smooth. The cookie would have been delicious. Assumed that that would be the case. But think about it this way. They probably had no idea what the heat of their oven was. Right? You, you can't set the oven to 350 when you don't have electricity. True. You're just putting what? With charcoal or what? Wood, probably. Wood? Something like that. It felt like they had baked these things at 550. By the way, the text line is blowing up over this from the 573. Randy just went down on my list because he doesn't like snickerdoodles. He said, I was a fan. Was. Oh. Past tense. <laughs> hey, beyond bad, they're offensive. <laughs> they're not offensive. They are. I love how you are offended by snickerdoodles. Can you totally. put that in your bio? Randy Carragher, post 7 to 10 at 101 ESPN, offended by snickerdoodles. I will. That'll go in my social media bio. You will know, Joe. You'll get DMs like a daily basis just because that's in Father, there. Father, husband, talk show host, offended by snickerdoodles. Yeah. Uh, what? Golf, grilling, offended by snickerdoodles. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Randy. And thanks for your text. We do appreciate it. Hey, coming up. Happy President's Day. Okay, we want your, uh, you can use a text line here, the uh, the uh, Air Comfort Services text line. You can also send us a mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. We want to know which person in sports do you think, past or present, would make a good president? And by the way, you can use somebody from any country. We're changing the rules here. So if you want somebody from outside of the United States to be the leader of the free world, you can pick that person next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You can also leave us a mic drop. Who do you think that in the sports world would make a great president? And it can be past or present. It can be American or non-American. We've kind of opened up the rules so that you can do whatever you want. Michelle, I've got one of my all-time favorites. And uh, I talk often about his leadership ability. And I think that 
He would be fun up at the podium. No, because he sucks you guys in. He hears everything I say. Okay, and he can tell me three weeks from now what I said today. So he sucks you guys right in. So consider yourself sucked. <laughs> it's uh, the great Bill Parcells, who would go to a general and say, hey, don't tell me about the labor, just show me the baby. Correct. Um, I'm going to stick with NFL head coaches there, too. What about Dick Vermeil, Randy? When we were in Canton and we were talking to DV, he had me ready to run through mm-hmm. a wall. Imagine him sitting down and doing a State of the Union address. He would have America fired up and ready to do whatever he needed us to do. Maybe the greatest motivator ever. And if there is a unifier... DV would be the unifier. And Dick Vermeil cares about people. He actually Mm -hmm. cares about the people, not just the player. And I think that he would really listen to the needs of the American people and try to make this country a better place. Now, this is somebody that really doesn't care about people and (laughs) probably isn't the greatest motivator of all time. But if you have issues with Putin or you have issues with the, the leadership in Iran, he's going to find out what they're doing, what they're up to. He's going to spy on them, and then... We're on to Cincinnati. There you go. Uh, He's going to just win that battle and move on to the next one. Can you imagine during the primaries? He loses Iowa. We're on to to Cincinnati. You are telling me you want Bill Belichick to be the president of the United States of America. Hey, if you want somebody who can spy better than Putin can, then that's who you want. See, I'm thinking that we... this This was not on the list, but if we are talking about going to a U.N. meeting or going to meetings with other countries from a position of strength, who better than Craig Berube? I think that's a a superb call. And not only that, but he's also a guy that can fire people up. Pump it up here. We're here for a reason because we're a good hockey team and we're going to come home with a cup here tonight. Let's go. Who's going to get America more fired up than Craig Berube? I'm ready. Whatever you need, Chief. Yep. Pump it up here. We're here for a reason because we're a good hockey team and we're gonna come home with a cup here tonight let's go and by the way can we also have the blues um video crew or whoever was responsible for the hey buddy we're still here videos for the stanley cup playoff could they also do all the messaging around craig Bruby to just get america super fired up because that video was one of the greatest things i've ever seen that would be so fun to have maybe chaser could be like Bruby's. Spokesperson. Hey, buddy, we're here. Perfect. <laughs> hey, rest of the world. We're, we're here. Still here. That's how you deal with Putin right there. We're still hey, here. buddy. <laughs> That's right. Okay, if we're having this conversation, we have to bring up Tom Brady. He's obviously a winner. Mm. Doesn't Tom Brady just look like someone that needs to be on American currency? Yeah, and you know what? He'd be a guy that you put up at the podium. Now, he might not say much, but at least he's going to look good, and he's what he doesn't say is going to be the right thing. He's going to look good. He's a proven winner in any stage of his life, in any situation. Mm-hmm. And he will just give America, I think, a sense of calm, like, oh, Tom Brady's our president. Of course, everything's yeah, going to be fine. Cool. Yeah. It doesn't really matter what situation we're in. Tom Brady will figure it out. Yeah, he does. And I'm sure that uh, the food situation in America would be very healthy. I mean, oh, he, he would get would all be, those school we'd be lunches. A healthy country. Yeah. yeah, forget cardboard pizza in your school lunch. You're getting apples, kids. Yeah. Or no, he doesn't do red red fruits, right? No. Nightshades. So oh, no. I guess you'd be getting avocado ice cream. Blueberries. Blueberries, yeah. I, I mean, think about what Jim would be, all about pliability. Yeah. We would be a healthy and flexible nation. We would be, yeah, and prepared to attack.
at any time. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right, your tech 65780. Matthew, what do you got? In the same kind of vein, Doug Armstrong for president. We'd fleece everyone on trade agreements. <laughs> That's true. We would. That is true. By deficit. Good call. Great call. Great call. Why don't we just have an Army Baruby VP president one-two punch? That'd be fun. That'd be good. They yeah. clearly work well together. Yeah. And by the way, the, from the 314, are we allowing non-born U.S. citizens to be president in this exercise? Yeah, essentially, we're in charge here. So you can pick whomever you'd like. Yeah, whoever you want. One more person I'd like to throw in there, Randy, because mm-hmm. being the president of the United States, even though you have a cabinet and you have people around you all the time, it feels like a very isolating job. You're in charge of a very uh, – you have a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. We'll just put it that way. And the pressure that you might feel just yourself to do a good job is a lot. What about Serena Williams? I want someone oh, yeah. who is an individual sport athlete who's been at the top in the highest pressure and only had to answer and rely on themselves. I think Serena would be a good president. That'd as be well. a really good call. In the same vein, um, The Rock. The Rock would be interesting. Yeah, he would be. How is that in the same vein as Serena? Singular sport athlete. Yeah. The Rock at what wrestling? Yeah. That's not singular sport. I Come mean, on, she, there's it's other. It's your own there's thing. other, other You're people. Building your own brand. Other people there executing the play. I think he was the champion though. Right? Yeah. yeah, but Serena's outcome is not already pre-programmed. Oh, Michelle, I can't believe you went there. I'm just saying. I might have been saying it tongue-in-cheek I'm also. just saying, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, uh, a lot of people are saying Nolan Ryan's one we've got a couple times. Nolan Ryan, yeah. Vladimir Putin winds up being Robin Ventura. Yikes. Yeah, you don't want to mess with him. If we're operating from a position of strength, may I nominate Aaron Donald? Oh. <laughs> Man. Just have a shirtless Aaron Donald enter any discussions, yeah. and I'm pretty sure America will wind up on top. I would think so. Yeah, he smiles a lot. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for a president. Ooh, like Aaron this. Donald? Yeah. When your body looks like that, you can smile all you want because you know that no one is going to step to you or else you will point. kill them. Yeah. How about we just broadcast the video of Aaron Donald with the knives to the rest of the world? Oh, there you go. You know that's what I mean? a good play. Okay. Pat Summit. Pat Summit would have been a good Pat one. Yeah, Summit's another great, great leader who uh, she struck fear into her opponents. Yes, absolutely. No doubt about it. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem gets it. Yeah, I, I put Steve Kerr down. Steve Kerr is brilliant, and he's he's got a history working with world governments in the past. So he's another guy that I, I look at and I say, okay, there's a guy with some leadership ability. We're getting this from a lot of people, too. He was someone I thought of. What about Derek Jeter from the 636? He's clutch under pressure, and he's already a polished politician. Yeah, he is. I think that might be an issue, though, for us who want to be – I want to have somebody that's a unifier. He might be a little bit too smooth. Well, that's why when I was thinking about names last night, when I was thinking of politicians in sports, the first person I thought of was Russell Wilson. He already acts like a politician. But I don't need somebody to stand up at the podium and after every announcement say, go USA. Right. I I don't need that. I need somebody that's going to get stuff done. Not that Russell Wilson doesn't, but I need more than just – the presentation. I need the actions too. Yeah, that's why I went. My first choice was Parcells. On, on on Jeter, though, I mean, we're talking about the commander in chief. I need somebody a little stronger on defense. <laughs> well done. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, we got somebody. Uh, we got a bunch saying Joey Vitale. Oh, Joey V. Wouldn't he? He's brilliant. He is a unifier. Everybody likes Joey V. He's going to make you laugh. He is. And. He's also a former NHL enforcer. So if you mess around with him, if you're another country, 
you got some stuff coming. The thing is, is a lot of countries don't like America. They just don't. And you could go into a room and President Vitale is going to sit you down. He's going to disarm you by giving you some sort of an interesting fact about mm-hmm. an animal or about religion or whatever it might be. He's going to make you laugh, make you think. And you're going to walk out of there saying, I didn't want to make a deal with America, but man, I like President Vitale. I really yeah, just like yeah, that guy. Yeah. How about another, uh, you go... Back in their prime, because Bill Parcells is not in his prime anymore, but how about... You've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? So, Clint Eastwood back in the day, pretty tough guy. Yeah, but every time you give him a big budget, he pockets half of it. (laughs) It's true. Hey, thanks very much for your text. We do appreciate it. 65780 is our Air Comfort Service text line. Uh, Are... Do we have we have a fighter that's actually uh, going for the Hall of Fame today, right? So I think we're set with yeah, with, a, with yeah. a fighter. Yeah, Zach's, Zach's going for it. Yeah, and we have take it or leave it coming up next. Get your text in, coming your way on one hundred and one ESPN. Is take it or leave it. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on one hundred and one ESPN. Take it. Or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. It's time for Take It or Leave It. We welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Michelle, Matt, Randy, great to have you with us. Michelle, on March 15th, Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin will turn 50 years old. Later this week, on Thursday, Brian Flores will turn 41. This weekend, Mike Tomlin hired Brian Flores as his linebackers coach. Take it or leave it, nine years younger, Brian Flores is the next head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ooh, that's an interesting one. So you are suggesting that Mike Tomlin hired him to be his replacement. Yeah, maybe five years down the road. uh, Tomlin will have more than 20 years in as an NFL head coach. There's a lot that goes into being an NFL head coach at the age of 55. He calls it quits and Flores gets promoted. Do you think... Well, I'm thinking about this in a lot of different ways because I don't see Mike Tomlin getting fired. No, he'll never get fired. So I would assume that means he would want to walk away and i don't know some coach nfl head coaches are coaching into their late 60s 70s mm-hmm. so i don't know if i would see him walking away that soon is the only caveat there i think it's just for, for me it would be just the fact that he will have done it for such a long time and it's such a grueling existence being an nfl head coach like bill cowher sometimes you just have to step back some guys like belichick they they don't have to step back but I'm just assuming that at some point it catches up to Mike Tomlin, who's been a head coach, I think, since he was 34. Impressive. So to, you, you taking it? That no, I'm going to leave it because I don't. I I think he'll be coaching longer than that. All right. But I, I do think that Brian Flores will be. How about this? I'll take that Brian Flores will be a head coach within that window again. I think he will, too. I think this is the perfect landing spot for him to become another uh, a head coach once again. Take it or leave it. Randy, you've already forgotten that the Washington football team is now the Commanders. I'll take that. Yeah, I just looked up at the screen Same. and saw Commanders. Same. I'm thinking, what's, what's going on here? ESPN on Get Up is doing a who's going to be the quarterback of X team next year. Mm-hmm. And during the break, I looked up, I was like, Commanders? Oh, yeah, the Washington football team is now the Commanders. I'd forgotten already. Yeah. Great name. 
I guess. They should have just stuck with the Washington football team. I think that would have been fine. I agree. WFT, just give us a little soccer feel, right? Yeah. Why not? We've already gotten used to it. Yep. Text, uh, text 65780. Matthew, what do we have? Take it or leave it. You would support a rival baseball league with new rules to make the game more entertaining. I'm going to leave that. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think we already have our hands full with one baseball league mm-hmm. and the amount of games we have in a regular season schedule. I can't imagine anyone really wanting to embrace a second baseball league. No, and all the best players are going to be in the major leagues, and they are the best at what they do. There's like 22,000 people in the history of the world in the last 150 years that have played Major League Baseball. Think about the billions of people that have lived, the billions of men, right? Right now we've got almost 2 billion men. And 22,000 in the history of the world have played Major League Baseball. It's impressive. Yeah, that's the best of the best that we're seeing. And I just can't imagine that another baseball league, I think... All the other sports have a better chance of having a successful second league than baseball, including soccer in America. I would say soccer, football, basketball, hockey all have a better chance of a second league succeeding than baseball. Take it or leave it. It's not how we drew it up, but we'll take the Blues coming away with three points against Montreal and Toronto. I'll take it. I'll take that, too. Definitely. Russell Wilson will look good in a Tampa Bay jersey next year if that if if that trade is possible. Yeah, I'll take that. He'd be Great in Tampa Bay. I could see it. It would look good in the red, I think. Huh, that mm-hmm. Better offensive line, a lot of weapons. Yep. I mean, that's a completely different team than we've ever seen them play with. some cap issues, but I could see it. Yeah. I think the Saints proved that that's just not, that's not real. Money, no, Money's not real. <laughs> <laughs> Take it or leave it. Interleague play should go away or just be once every five years. Interleague play in baseball? Yes. I'll I'm, leave that because I like to see different teams. I'm going to leave it as well, but... There should be logic applied and everybody should play the same schedule. It shouldn't be set up. And I know that we get the advantage of playing Kansas City every year. We, we get them for six games. But, for example, the White Sox are good now under Tony La Russa. It's not fair that the Cardinals play the Royals and the Cubs play the White Sox. So it should be balanced and everybody should play an identical interleague schedule every year. Is another sport I possibly could have been referring to? I'm just wondering. Uh, do you want to like stop no. interleague play between like hockey teams? I'm just wondering. Yeah. No. There, well, there is. <laughs> there are two leagues, right? There's only yeah. one league. So yeah, baseball is really the only one. What is uh, take? Uh, that's not take it or leave it. That's just a question. Take it or leave it. A Jordan Baines and Presenton would include an amazing first year, pretty good second year, a so-so third year, but then you kind of want the VP to handle that fourth year. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. See, I mean, if we're following the pattern. Yeah. Right now. Billy Huso as the VP. I would say that he's ascending. Take it or leave it. If Michelle was president, her first piece of legislation would be to ban Chicago pizza. Oh, no, I'm going to leave that because that's what make, makes America beautiful is that some people can have an amazing set of taste buds and others cannot. You know, we all can make our choices now, as poor as they might be. You may not like the texture and the thickness of Chicago style pizza, but taste buds you, you can't dislike the flavor. Yeah, I mean, it's just cheese and sauce. But I'm more of and, a dough person. And meat. Well, if you like dough, then Chicago pizza is where you need to go. No, I mean like a hand toss. I like, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. That's Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Coming up, I put this poll up yesterday on Twitter because it's a really hot topic of conversation. 
Who do you blame for not being able to see the Cardinals? Do you blame Ballet Sports or do you blame your platform? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by the Schnooks Rewards app. Check out Good For You. A free wellness program available in the app today. 804 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Time for today's fresh take. And Michelle, as you know, I'm old and I still have Spectrum and I watch every Cardinals and Blues game on Bally. But we had the discussion last week about how so many people don't have access to Cardinal baseball. So I put up a poll yesterday on Twitter and uh, talked about the discussion that we had and mentioned the fact that the prevailing issue is with people with YouTube TV or Hulu or Sling that don't get Bally Sports. And the poll was, who do you blame? Your platform for not wanting to pay for a premium premium product or the Cardinals slash Bally for not reducing the price for people that don't want to pay for the premium product. And 27.7% said they blame their platform. Mm-hmm. 72.3% said that they blame the Cardinals MLB. And I threw Bally in there because the Cardinals own a, a percentage of Bally Sports. But this is obviously a real problem for the franchise in trying to market to their team and that there are so many people that have a particular platform that they're paying a lesser price for that don't want to pay more for Cardinal baseball. Yeah, when we had these discussions last week, it was pretty illuminating to me to see how many people hadn't had access to Cardinal baseball over the past mm-hmm. several years. Because just like you, I have Bally, I have ESPN. Anytime that there's a game per our jobs, I need to be able to see it. But this is something that my friends and I have been talking about recently because you cut the cord and you get YouTube TV or you go to a streaming or whatever. But all of those apps start to add up. All of those services start to add up. So I think a lot of people have been pretty judicious judicious about, okay, I'm going to have Netflix and maybe not Hulu or YouTube TV. So that means I'm not going to have uh, a login for Bally or whatever it might be, because the whole point of cutting the cord is to save money Mm -hmm. or to, to evolve in that way. And I guess I didn't really realize how many people who love Cardinal baseball because of stuff like this hadn't really had the access to the games the way that they need or want to have. And I, I get a lot of responses. We want you to weigh in here at 65780. But here's one response. I'm a lifelong Cardinals fan and closer to the diehard end of the fan spectrum than the casual. The truth is, when YouTube TV dropped Fox Sports Midwest, I held out from changing to a Spectrum Direct TV for months because I assumed the dispute would soon be settled. When it didn't, I found other ways to... Uh, stay entertained. I never in a million years thought I could do without the cards, but when the product is simply inaccessible, it's easy for it to become an afterthought. It's sad. My son is growing up without the cards in his home. Will he grow up to be a baseball fan? Unlikely, right? But that's what we kind of learned with Rams football, right? We thought Mm -hmm. we could never live without NFL football every Sunday, and when something is taken away from you, you realize that you can't adjust. You can pivot. There's so many forms of entertainment these days, especially after the pandemic. We've learned how to entertain ourselves. That's the key. We found different ways to be entertained or to fill that time. And so I think for some people, they probably thought, oh my gosh, this is terrible. I'll never be able to live without Cardinal baseball. And then you kind of get used to it. You become numb to it, which is sad. And and the reality of the situation is if the Cardinals go to Hulu and YouTube TV and Sling and say, okay, we'll meet your price. We'll take what you offer us. And then they have to obviously go to 
Charter and or Spectrum and DirecTV and do the same price for them, the payroll is going to go down. The, the amount of money that the Cardinals have to spend is in direct correlation to the amount of money that they take in. So they're in a bind, the old proverbial rock in the hard place, because if they're making less money, and they, they might make more because more people will be purchasing the product at a lower price. Volume, Jerry, it might wind up being the case. But there's also the possibility that they'll make less money and then spend less money, which would lead to a lesser product. But I do think what the Cardinals need to do from a marketing standpoint, if this issue is because their prices are too high for these providers, they need to make their product accessible to these providers and their customers. But doesn't this go back to what we talked about last week about our desire for baseball anyway? And if it's, mm-hmm. if we are still as ravenous for baseball as we used to be, if I want to watch Cardinal baseball, so I'm going to pay the money. If I'm, I will cut costs other places in my budget so that I can watch Cardinal baseball. But it's everyone making that same choice. It's really up to the person to decide: is this is this product valuable enough for me to forego the latte or whatever, mm-hmm. or to forego Hulu or Disney Plus or whatever else I'm going to spend money on? And I think that's at least to me, part of the greater conversation is: are people caring enough about Cardinal baseball to? to take away from resources financially and other aspects of their life in order to get it. And you are somebody who accomplishes things. I am not. For example, (laughs) I've been telling my family I'm going to switch phone providers for months. Go back to the summer. I've been saying, yeah, we're going to do that. Haven't done it yet. Yeah. A lot of people just don't want to go to the trouble of changing providers, even if it's for Cardinal Baseball. I'm going to make a choice here. Am I going to go and spend a couple of hours changing providers or... Or can I live without Cardinal Baseball? And clearly, people are willing to go without Cardinal Baseball to main, to not spend the couple of hours of hassle, more than a couple of hours, because first you have to make the call, and then you have to wait all day, right, for somebody else to come out, if, if that's what the direction you're going, to, to make that change. Just seems to me like it, 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 if I put myself in the Cardinal's shoes, and by the way, I'm somebody who's pays more than a premium. I pay stupid money for cable. I do because I'm used to it. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. I'm I'm comfortable with it and I'm willing to pay for that comfort. But also you wouldn't go without Cardinal baseball or blues hockey. It's just not a decision you would make. But for those people that are willing to make the decision, I think the Cardinals and Valley, they need to make the price palatable for those companies. But isn't that part of, again, this greater conversation of, am I going to spend the money and and deal with the crime or whatever my issue might be to go to a baseball game? Am I going to spend, if you think about it, in in if we're actually thinking about it, the couple hours of annoyance it might take for you to switch providers or whatever to get Cardinal baseball to get many hours of games is mm-hmm. minuscule when you think about it as a as a micro versus a macro. But I think it's the desire for baseball or or the need to watch sports that has shifted in America. Mm-hmm. We w- maybe people are like, well, I can watch the NFL on my YouTube TV, so I'll just be in, I'll just watch the NFL. That's mm-hmm. fine. Right. It's, we just- we just. I don't think have the same level of I have to watch I have to watch the baseball game every right. single night that we used to that desires and that intensity level is just not the same. Right, and we talk about safety of people in downtown St. Louis. People are going to Blues games. Blues are selling out pretty much every game. I'm pretty sure St. Louis City SC is going to be sold out they every are. game. <laughs> people are spending a lot right. of time and 
big crowds are showing up at Ballpark Village. So while I think that there is certainly a segment of the Cardinal fan base that isn't going because of the safety issues, I don't think that's what's preventing the Cardinals from drawing 40,000. But even if that was one of your issues, what I'm saying is, do you care about Cardinal baseball more than you're afraid of going downtown? Do you care about Cardinal baseball more than you are annoyed by the fact that you'd have to switch providers? Do you care about Cardinal baseball enough to spend the money to go to games or spend the money to still have cable so that you have mm-hmm. access to games. Clearly, people feel that way about Blues hockey. So that's it's just a greater conversation about baseball. Yeah, and it's a tough conundrum for the Cardinals, I'm sure, to figure out, A, how to market your product so that more people will come and watch it, but also market it so that you're making the amount of money necessary to have a, a product that people want to purchase. Well, right now, these conversations are probably very frustrating for the Cardinals because there are no games. Yeah. I mean, and again, imagine if you're someone who does care about Cardinal baseball and maybe you're looking at your finances and you're saying, man, my cable is so high. They're not even playing games. Why am I mm-hmm. paying for this? Right. Why am I paying for this? They don't even care enough to have spring training going on right now. I'm doing it because I'm watching the Blues. Well, yeah, me too. But if, I, if I'm if i not a hockey fan and I right. strictly purchase and it for baseball. Cardinal baseball. And ultimately, that's what Bally and the Cardinals need to come up with is an a la carte ability to purchase Cardinal baseball. Whether it's an app or whether it's a channel somewhere, That what they need is, and this was brought up a lot of times on my Twitter thread, what the Cardinals and Bally need to do is come up with the ability to just purchase the game. Don't worry about the Blues. Don't worry about poker on Bally Sports, all the ancillary programming. I just want to see my Cardinals every night. Mm-hmm. And the, what they need is, to provide is the ability just to purchase that. Yeah. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's today's Fresh Take. I'm 101 ESPN. Coming up, Blues back in action as they will take on the Flyers tomorrow night in Philly. Chris Kerber, voice of the Blues, joins us for his Monday visit next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time now for Curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Slyman Brothers, with five St. Louis area locations to serve you. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and the voice of the Blues. Chris Kerber joins us as he does every Monday. Good win for the Blues on Saturday night in Toronto. Good morning, Kerbs. How you doing? Randy, doing awesome. How are you? Everything's good. Somebody texted in and said, hey, taking three out of four points from Montreal and Toronto, not exactly how you drew it up, but you'll take it. Yeah, you know what? So far, it's been a pretty doggone good road trip. Uh, I, I think because of the teams you've been playing, you might be a little disappointed in the loss to New Jersey or Definitely the overtime loss to Montreal, but they responded really well and came back. And it was such an awesome hockey game. I mean, in in every aspect uh, in Toronto, there was speed, there was physicality, there was, I mean, there there was some great drama. There was good goaltending. There there was goal scoring. I mean, you you can still have good goaltending and give up three goals. And and I thought that it was really just a fun all-around game. And so, a great response, I thought, on Saturday night in Toronto. Curbs, given all those things, the points from so many guys on the team, the bounce back, the fact that there was no Vladimir Tarasenko, do you think that game versus Toronto on Saturday was one of the best wins of the season for the Blues? Uh, yeah, I think it probably ranks up there. I, I think what this team has shown is, and, and it's both a positive and maybe a slight negative, is they play to the competition when, when, they, when they know that uh, they, they've got to be good. They can be really good. Sometimes they can take their foot off the gas like like they did in Montreal. And 
Um, I, so, yeah, I, I think it was one of the better wins of the season, without a doubt. Curbs, one of the things we're going to talk about later is that I, I don't know that the Blues are getting the credit locally that they deserve. There's only two teams in the West in the top 10 in goals and goals against. That's the Blues and Calgary. The, the Blues power play and penalty kill are both elite. They're both among the best in the league. I think we have a tendency, and a lot of this has to do with analytics, to look at the negative for the Blues rather than the positive. Do you agree with that assessment that the Blues are kind of better than we're giving them, a lot of people here in St. Louis are giving them credit for being? Well, I I think the fact that Colorado has pulled so far ahead kind of distorts a little bit uh, the, the scenario that the St. Louis Blues are in. I mean, in Minnesota, who's played a couple games less, Minnesota won last night. But Dallas lost last night. So, you know, Minnesota sits just one point ahead of the Blues. The Blues are in third in the division, and Minnesota has played two fewer games. But I I just think the way the standings look is probably what skews that. When you consider where the team is, I mean, there's, there's only two or three other teams in the league that have more points from their forwards. I mean, in the league. Uh, the, the balance, the scoring is so balanced. Like they might have a player, Randy, that's got another 10, 12 points if they if the lines weren't as balanced as they were, and some guys were getting even more ice time. But that just isn't the case. I mean, you look at that game the other night. They scored six goals and had 14 different players pick up points, and that seemed normal. Every single line in that game scored for the St. Louis Blues on Saturday night. So yeah, I, I think it's a little bit skewed. But, but the, the, the other thing, too, is this team doesn't have – and maybe that's not really fair with as well as Tarasenko's been playing, and I know Kyra's up there, but you've got several guys in that, you know, 40 to 45-point range, right? You don't have the 66-point getter like a Dreisaitl, like a McDavid. We don't have the 33 goals from a, a Chris Kreider or an Austin Matthews. As a matter of fact, the last time the Blues had a player that was in the top 10 in NHL scoring – was Vladimir Tarasenko. He did it twice, and I think it was like 16-17, and it might have been 14-15 before that. Prior to that, prior to that, the last time the Blues had a player in the top 10 in scoring, you got to go back to ninety or to 2003 with Pavel Dimitra. I mean, think about that. So they, they, they don't have that sexiness of that, that true superstar. They're just a really, really good team. And as Scotty Bowman told Jeremy Rutherford, uh, you know, when, when you look at the Blues and you just see that kind of depth, you know, you know, and then, I mean, DJ, uh, uh, Dave King, who, who, you know, coaches the, the Ottawa Senators after the Blues play Senators, that's as deep as team as we've seen in the league. I mean, this team is deep. This team is good. I'm looking forward to them getting, getting through this stretch against some of these weaker teams, banking some points, and then let's see where it stacks up as you start to play some tougher competition. Curbs, another strong performance from Villahusa, 34 saves. He improves to 9-1-1 and since January 1st. It's a delicate balance between going with the hot hand and finding spots for Jordan Bennington to try to get right again. How do you anticipate Chief handling that playing time? You know what? i got to be honest with you, Michelle. I was thinking about this. I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I really have no idea right now because I think Villahusa has played well enough. To me, it looked like if, especially if Huso started that Montreal game, I really thought he was going to start the Toronto game. So it, it kind of it just kind of feels like give Bennington the start in Philadelphia where he got things rolling, you know, a couple of years ago. But if you look at the Blues' schedule right now for the next two weeks, it's extraordinarily favorable. As a matter of fact, for the next two weeks, they've only got four games. They play tomorrow in Philadelphia. They play Friday in Buffalo. They'll play Sunday afternoon in Chicago. Then they go to New York. 
where they where they have Monday and Tuesday off. They play the Rangers on Wednesday. So between today and what next Friday, well even Saturday they play Saturday against the the New York Islanders. There's only four four games there. If you have a number one goaltender, you can play that goaltender in all four of those games, and you're not even worried about the backup. So. How are they going to play this? I'm not exactly sure. I, I could also see this scenario. They say, Bill, you've done a great job giving us what you need. Maybe Jordan gets a couple of starts. I did this one, and especially since we haven't been able to get around the team here in the last uh, week or so, although uh, I am looking forward. We are traveling to Philly today. So Good. I'm excited about that. Um, I, I, I have no idea how to handicap how they're going to play this one. Because I, me personal, guys, I still believe in Jordan Bennington. I, I, I know he struggled but I still believe they're going to need this guy in a big way in the second half of the season. And Curbs, one thing for certain, when the Blues get into March, March 5th and 6th, they have back-to-backers against the Islanders and New Jersey on the road, and then the 12th and 13th, the following weekend, back-to-back against Nashville and Winnipeg. So like Jake Allen in 2019, they're going to need Bennington, and they're going to need Bennington to play well. Oh, absolutely, Randy. And because, like I said, the schedule for the next two weeks might be extraordinarily favorable. But you're right. Starting the fifth with that game against the New York Islanders, there's back-to-back games. From that point on, they've only got two stretches of hockey in the whole entire month of March where they've got back-to-back days without a game. And then you get into April, and there's only two more. So basically from March 5th until the end of the regular season, the end of the regular season goes until April 29th this year, you only have basically four times where you go back-to-back days without a game. So, you know, to me, you're absolutely right. They're going to need him. They're going to need him to play well. And those points are going to be critical because while it looks good right now because you're sitting just one point out of second in your division, you know, it's just six or seven points is what separates you from falling out of the wild card spot and out of the playoffs too. So it's, it's, it's a bit of a grind and a tight race right now. Hey, Curbs, one last thing. When we approached free agency and the, the trade market last year, we were all talking about Landis Gog, and we're talking about some other big-time free agents. None of us were talking about trading for Pavel Buchnevich or signing Brandon Saad. Those are the two guys the Blues wound up with. And I'm not so sure that with the salaries that those two are taking home, that the Blues and Doug Armstrong could have done better than he did by getting those two. Would you consider the production they're getting? Absolutely not. I mean, there was just... I, I'm not sure, you know, I, I really like the idea of a Blake Coleman as, as a free agent opportunity, right? But then Calgary gave him six years, which I thought, you know, was uh, was quite a lot. And he's making a higher AAV than both of those guys. Well, that's the point, yeah. So, you know, and, and I thought he was a, a top-line left winger and stuff, but but look at the production that you're getting from both of those guys. It, it Doug Armstrong did a really spectacular job. And, look, you got to give – uh, the, the same way that I give Ryan Reeves a bunch of credit and the fact that uh, he became a player that Pittsburgh really won, and that's how you got Sunquist and Clem Costin, I give Sammy Blay a lot of credit, too. You know, Craig Berube coached him up. He turned himself into a heck of a player. He was what the Rangers wanted. The Rangers are playing really well. I know Sammy has been hurt, you know, for a good chunk of the year, but he helped them get off to a really good start, and the Blues turned that into Pavel Buchnevich, who, you know, was a bit of a cap casualty for the New York Rangers. I that Doug Armstrong has done a fantastic job. And that's why so many of these general managers know in the cap era, look, you can add somebody. You might be able to tweak your team a little bit, but you really have to build your team in the offseason and not rely on the trade deadline because cap situations, availability, and the cost of a trade might not be in your favor 
So getting that, that team built the way he did in the uh, offseason is critical. And if, I mean, and if the Blues have to go into the, the playoffs with this squad and this squad's healthy, I think I'll take my chances. It, it's a pretty doggone good team. And I do want to throw out there that luck plays a role here, too. Jeremy Rutherford mentioned last week that after Mike Hoffman signed with Montreal, uh, Jeremy texted him and said, hey, what was the difference? And Hoffman said, well, I went to Montreal for the money. And then hours later, the Blues wound up signing. So it could have been Mike Hoffman, which would have been a completely different scenario. Yeah, and I mean, but how about that, Mike Hoffman? They, I mean, a three-year deal times 4.5, you know, and, and he's an older player. Mm-hmm. Right then, then Brandon Sutton. So I, I just you, you put all that in there, and uh, boy, whether it be through the scouting staff, the, the whole hockey operation side of it, I mean, this, this Doug Armstrong, who as you know just passed that 500 win mark, and um, you know is the all-time winningest general manager in Blues history. I, I he's done a heck of a job of keeping this team in a competitive window, and it, it hasn't been easy, man. They, like you got to make some pretty difficult choice. Go back to when, you know, they decided, to, you know, that, well, I mean, they made an offer, but David Backus took a different offer to the Boston Bruins. And some other key players left. You traded Patrick Berglund. Things like that. Man, those aren't easy decisions to make, and he, he's made some tough ones that have really kept this team competitive and good. Yeah, no doubt about it. Curbs, great as always. Thanks so much for the time. We'll be tuned in tomorrow night for the Blues and the Flyers. Have yourself a great day. Yeah, have an awesome week, you guys. Thanks. Thanks, Curbs. That's the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, here on 101 ESPN. By the way, we don't pay much attention to this, but Tage Thompson has 19 goals for the Sabres this year. I so was just going to Congratulations. Say, it's so funny you say that because I think he just scored his 20th maybe oh, last, night. last night. I think he might have because I was looking at that. And I was like, oh, shout out to Tage Thompson. Yeah. Who, who saw that coming? I didn't. I'll still take our, our Conn Smythe winner and Stanley Cup champion. But. I will, too. But it's so <laughs> funny you said that because I maybe it was because it was on, I think it might have been on ESPN, a video that mm-hmm. they pushed out yesterday. But I was like, oh, shout out to Tage Thompson. I haven't heard that name in a while. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, the fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king. It is time for a very special Hall of Fame edition of the fight here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Zach is joining us. This is Zach's third fight, which means if he beats Randy Carriker again today, he is our latest Hall of Famer. So, Zach, first of all, how are you? Second of all, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well. I've been thinking about this all weekend, so, so I built up the pressure on myself. But we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, good luck to you, Zach. We're cheering for you, okay? Thank you. Question number one for Zach with the Hall of Fame on the line. Who was the last team that Mizzou beat in the NCAA tournament? A reminder, it was a first-round win in 2010. Was it UConn, Florida State, or Clemson? Florida State. The Cardinals had players win back-to-back Rookies of the Year awards with Vince Coleman in 1985 and this pitcher in 86. Was it Dave LaPointe, Greg Matthews, or Todd Worrell? Todd Todd Worrell. Excuse me. Sorry, Zach, go ahead. Todd Worrell. Awesome. 
Question number three. Which president won two NCAA National Football Championships as a member of the Michigan Wolverines? Is it George H.W. Bush, Gerald R. Ford, or Dwight D. Eisenhower? Oh, God. <laughs> President's Day. Yeah, and I'm a history major, too, so. Oh, oh no. That's for me. How's that? Uh, <laughs> oh, God. It was Ford, Eisenhower, or Daddy Bush? Yes, H.W. Um, let's do. Oh, God. I'm going to go with. We'll go Eisenhower. Uh, yeah. And uh, All right, Zach, did you want to change your answer? You seem to be waffling. Just want to make sure we have a final answer here. I, I feel like Eisenhower went to West Point, so I want to change it to Ford was the third, right? It was George H.W. Bush, Gerald Ford, or Dwight Eisenhower. Yeah. I think Eisenhower is West Point, so I'm going to go with Ford. Okay, final answer? Yes. All right. All right, and Steph Curry hit 16 threes in the All-Star game last night. Who currently holds the record for most threes in a regular season game with 14? Is it Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, or Damian Lillard? Gosh. <laughs> Which one doesn't fit is Damian Lillard, but uh, I'm going to go with Clay Thompson. Okay. Checking our score for the Hall of Fame fight, waving in Randy. Zach, do you feel like a Hall of Famer? Do you think you did enough to get into the Hall of Fame? Uh, that I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, it's all up to Randy. Uh, but can I do a shout out real quick? Always. Go ahead, Zach. I don't know if I'll be here. Um, I just <laughs> do it while you can. <laughs> my dad's a shout out. Or he's retiring tomorrow. Um, so his last day of work is tomorrow, and he's officially retiring. So I just want to give my dad, Roger, a shout out. Shout out to Roger. And what uh, career is he retiring from? He's in property management now doing the head of maintenance. Wow, that's awesome. Well, congratulations, Roger. Enjoy retirement. And Randy, oh, let's get his mic up. Thank you. Randy, please say good morning to Zach. You remember him. I do. Zach, good morning and congratulations to your dad. Thank you. Good morning, Randy. How are you today? I'm doing well. Glad to have you with us again. Just Thanks a, for having me again. Just a reminder, Randy, Hall of Fame on the line. Yes. Hall of Fame for Zach. Love on Hall the of line Famers. Today. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Question number one for Randy. Who was the last team that Mizzou beat in the NCAA tournament? And a reminder, it was the first round win in 2010. 2010? It has been a minute. It certainly has. <laughs> that was the depressing part of the question. <laughs> uh, who did they beat then? I'll, I'll, I guess I'll do the lifeline because I really have no recollection at all of this. UConn, Florida State, Clemson. I'm going to, they, they beat them, huh? The last team uh, yeah. that Mizzou beat in the tournament. Yeah. I'll go Clemson. Might have lost to Florida State in the next round. Uh, the Cardinals had players win back-to-back -back rookies of the year with Vince Coleman winning in 85 and this pitcher winning in 86. Who actually pitched in the World Series in 1985. It was Todd Borrell. Which president won two NCAA National Football Championships as a member of the Michigan Wolverines? Gerald Ford played center. And Steph Curry hit 16 threes in the All-Star game last night. Who currently holds the record for most threes in a regular season game with 14? Uh, this was just done. Oh, no, I think I'm going to go with Clay Thompson. The Hall of Fame on the line. Did Zach do enough to enter the most elite of fight spaces? Matt, let him know.
Just win, baby. Go crazy. Zach. Zach, 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 my man. Oh, man. You will not believe this. You got three correct. Randy yeah. got all four. Randy got the jack. He just, he just, just beat you out of a Hall of Fame. I'm so sorry, Zach. Oh, no worries. I hate Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> you knew that was the one that you got wrong. Yeah. Oh, oh, Randy. Randy. The, the, guy, the guy was one question away from the Hall of Fame, and you're going to do him like that? I apologize. Do you? <laughs> Get over it. Oh, yikes. Well, Zach, mm. you were an unbelievable challenger. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Have a good week. You Jack, too. Thank you. We really do appreciate you listening and appreciate you playing. Because he's great. Oh, I thought you were going to fire something else off here. I was. For whatever reason, it didn't work. Oh. I was really excited about it, too. Oh, shoot. You want to try again? Uh, yeah, well, we can do this. Oh, it's too hot. Too hot. Too hot, lady. This one's ridiculous. Hey, and you know what? When you, when you call tomorrow. Don't stop believing. Okay, there you go. Are you done? Should I reveal the answers? Um. I guess, so. I, guess I, so. I know how much Zach was a great guy, and I know how much joy you take though in in Jawan Howarding someone as they were trying to get into the Hall of Fame. Win, 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 win. There you go. All right, it was Todd Worrell. Todd Worrell. Sorry, that was difficult to say. The Cardinals had players went back to back rookies of the year. It was him as the pitcher in '86, Vince Coleman in '85. It was Clemson back in 2010, first round, the last team that Mizzou beat in the NCAA tournament. Been a minute. Big time. Been yeah. a minute. Gerald Ford is the president that won two NCAA national football championships as a member of the Michigan Wolverines. And even though Steph hit 16 threes in the All-Star game last night, Clay Thompson currently holds the record for most threes in a regular season game with 14. So there you have it. Uh, another fight is in the books as we start this week. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And coming up on 101 ESPN. We are, uh, actually, we have moved Danny Mac. So uh, why don't we do an earlier Killing Me Smalls? I'm ready. Let's go. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. We always enjoy this part of the show. It is time for. Well, the headline, Randy reads, LeBron James uses All-Star Weekend to put the Lakers on notice. And here's what they mean by that. LeBron said, my last year is going to be played with my son, referring to his son, Bronny James. Wherever Bronny is at, that's where I'll be. I would do whatever it takes to play with my son for one year. It's not about the money at that point. So LeBron already looking past his Lakers season and perhaps his Lakers career and saying that he will end his career playing with his son. I don't know how good Bronny James is. But I'm guessing that the team that drafts Bronny James, obviously they'll be drafting in the top dozen or in the lottery, and with the knowledge that they can get a 40-year-old LeBron, it'll probably be a clueless team. It'll probably be kind of like the St. Louis Rams, right? It's not going to be a good franchise that winds up with Bronny and LeBron playing for one year together. Well, even if Bronny isn't a first-round draft pick don't you think that a team will take him in the first round knowing it means lebron will go there yes and 
I could see a stupid lottery team. If ever there was a Sacramento king, <laughs> it's Bronny James, right? You know, I was thinking, and and it's not that this is a team that would make a bad decision about that, but can't you see James Dolan wanting to do something like that? Oh, yeah, that's another really good point. I mean, the, the front office of the Knicks mm-hmm. might not want to make that move, but I could absolutely see James Dolan saying, we need LeBron to finish out his career in Madison Square Garden. I found it interesting over the weekend, Michelle, that LeBron was buttering up Oklahoma GM Sam Presti as much as he did. That's the one. I mean, they, they, yeah. they, they, I mean, they got they got handfuls of first round picks, right. and I, I don't think I don't think Brian is going to be a lottery pick. But I mean, I wonder maybe now does he get does he get bumped up nine or ten spots by a team who says, "All right, let's cinch this in the bag right yeah. now." Right. I mean, remember, it's the draft is before free agency in the yeah. NBA, which kind of changes the dynamic. Exactly. Absolutely. Great point. And you know that LeBron's going to put butts in seats. Right. Even, even if Bronny doesn't end up being a player that really is productive for you, the fact is you're going to generate a lot of money and a lot of eyeballs and a lot of attention by drafting him and ultimately getting LeBron there. And Bronny has next year, his senior year of high school, and one year of college before he can be drafted. And again, we think that he's pretty good, but we aren't sure how good he is. Going to be a lot of pressure. You and you were in school when Michael Jordan's kids were at Illinois, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, Michael Jordan used to go to the games. <laughs> yeah, so which uh, was very cool. Yeah, that, for us, so it'll be fun for Bronny James' classmates for that year. But I wonder where he'll go now that Coach K is gone. I think Duke would, probably would have been a lock with Coach K there. It'll be interesting to see where he winds up going. Yeah, it, Mizzou. <laughs> wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Illinois, Billikens. I don't know. The problem is his dad's already employed. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Good job. In other basketball news, Chris Paul out six to eight weeks. He's dealing with that right thumb injury. Um, it's an avulsion fracture in his right thumb. So. Even though the Suns have the league's best record right now, he's out for uh, pretty much the remaining uh, portion of the regular season schedule. And if I'm not mistaken, the other player capable of being a number one point guard on that roster campaign, Cameron Payne, is out with an injury right now as well. So it's going to fall to Devin Booker to carry that team. They, they really haven't gotten anything out of DeAndre Ayton this year. Remember last year when they went to the finals, it was the big three, but Ayton hasn't been there this year. Now, if you don't have Ayton or Paul and it falls on the shoulders of JaVale McGee and Devin Booker, they're going to have some problems and the playoffs start in seven weeks. Mm -hmm. So six to eight weeks for Chris Paul. It's going to be a rough go for the Suns. So Wisconsin beat Michigan, Randy, yesterday, 77 to 63. But no one is talking about the final outcome of the game. They're always, they're talking what happened after the buzzer went. So Wisconsin used a timeout. They called two timeouts in the last minute, including one with 15 seconds left. The Badgers were currently leading by 15. Well, Juwan Howard, Michigan's head coach, did not like that. So in the postgame handshake between the two teams, Wisconsin coach Greg Gard stopped Juwan Howard in the handshake line. Those two guys were exchanging words. A few players and coaches came around and then assistant coach for Wisconsin Joe Krabenhoft he must have said something to Juwan Howard and Juwan I I don't want to call it a punch it was more of a face palm Mm -hmm. half slap either way he definitely uh put his hands on him which he should not have done and this has caused all sorts of conversation about what sort of repercussion there's going to be for Michigan head coach Juwan Howard but he spoke about this incident after the game well basically uh you know I addressed with uh, the head coach that I will remember that because of that timeout. 
and um, for someone to touch me. And I think that was very uncalled for him to touch me as we were verbalizing to communicate with one another. So uh, that's what ended up happening. And that's what escalated it. Two things come to mind. Number one, Wisconsin was up by 15, right? Yes, they were up by 15. With 15 seconds left. And Greg Gard has his second team in there. They're having trouble getting the ball across the court, midcourt. They have 10 seconds to do so. They had four seconds left. So he called timeout so that he could organize his second team players. This is not something that would be penalized in an NHL game, what Juwan Howard did. But ultimately, if you don't like it, as Brad Thompson would say, play better. Mm-hmm. Right? Be closer than 15. Or accept your fate with 15 seconds left and don't try to press and prevent them from getting across midcourt. Be logical. Be smart. And Juwan Howard was neither in that situation. Now, Juwan Howard saying that he reacted when someone put hands on him. Do you think that that plays into this, uh, whatever the punishment will be at all, that someone put their hands on him first? Well, his... Action. He's talking about guard actually kind of grabbing his arm yes. as they went through the line. His action was what, 15 seconds after guard? They, they, yeah, there was some chirping back and forth well after that. Well, past the, the point at which Greg Guard placed his hands on Howard. It, that defense doesn't hold much water in my book for Juwan. No. And I, if this was a, another university and another coach, obviously Juwan Howard having a lot of success at Michigan, he's very ingrained there, a Michigan man, part of the Fab Five, obviously. I wonder if this were another coach at another university, if the punishment would be more severe. Again, we don't really know what it's going to be yet, but I wonder if this is a fireable offense for another coach. Michigan's not going to fire Juwan Howard over this, but I wonder if another university would have. So let's say, and obviously this would never happen, but it was Conzo Martin who has a losing record in a $6 million buyout. Would it be a different scenario? Might it be a fireable offense for a guy who's, hanging by a thread anyway, I think you're exactly right, Michelle. I don't think there's any doubt. That it would, yeah, if you're already in a precarious situation, mm-hmm. this might be an excuse for yeah. for a school to get you out of there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's it. We're done. Oh, that was good. That was qu- high quality. You're killing me Smalls material there. Well, I'm trying to give us enough time. I know we've got Danny Mac in the next hour. We do. And... <laughs> He'll, he'll give us a little extra time. Coming up, though, today's big thing. The Blues are tied for the best record in the West, but does it feel like it? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. 901 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I misspoke before the break. The Blues have, they're tied for the third best record in the Western Conference in the NHL. And Michelle, maybe I take the numbers nerds too personally, but I I have a real problem with the idea that the Blues are bad because the analytics say they are. I'm more of a real world type guy. And I look at the fact that the Blues are third in the West in scoring at 3.53 goals a game, fifth in the entire league. They're ninth in goals against at 2.76. There's only two teams in the Western Conference that are in the top 10 in both goals and goals against. That's the Blues and Calgary. Calgary is seventh in goals and first in goals against. Blues have the number two power play in the league, number four penalty kill in the league. By the way, that number two power play includes the best road power play in the league. Mm -hmm. 
But the Athletic and their their uh, analytics people say that the Blues have the 19th best top line, 27th best top defense pairing, 27th out of 32 teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's one thing that was just written about the Blues by Dom Lecision in The Athletic. He said, there's just one team in the top 10 in goal differential that has a negative expected goal differential. And he guesses which team that might be. That's right. It's this one. It's the Blues, and it's led to some major skepticism over the Blues. The Blues' goal differential is 36 goals above expected, the largest discrepancy in the league. So Dom LeCision is basing his thought about the Blues on expected goal differential rather than actual goal differential. Maybe I just shouldn't read this crap. But the fact of the matter is... I'm more inclined to believe what I see and what's really happening rather than what somebody expects. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting way to look at a team is what they're expected to do rather than what you're seeing play out in front of you. Yeah. And I don't know if that would necessarily be the metric that I would use to determine whether a team is good or not. And obviously this um, person is very smart and deals with a lot of numbers every day. But isn't that where we're getting in sports right now is we get so, not we, but a lot of people get so lost in certain numbers that they're, they're trying to feel right rather than be right. Yeah. We talked about this last point. week with my book that I'm reading, where people want to feel right more than they want to actually be right. You can look at those numbers of what a team is expected to do and maybe try to project what you think. But then when you watch the Blues, it, they aren't a team that's dictated strictly by their top line. This is a team that is getting contributions from every single line and every single player. They're not built the same way as other teams are. This is also a team that's dealt with a lot of their players being out mm-hmm. at some point this this season. It's hard to really gauge what the Blues are when we're finally seeing them come together. So I don't know if I would necessarily look at the numbers as my determination to whether the Blues are a good team or not. And I might actually watch the games and make my determination that way. When you look at the Blues with 64 points, Edmonton with 59. The Blues have five more points than Edmonton. But LeCision writes about the Oilers. They have a strong 54% expected goals rate, but just 46% of actual goals. That should normalize, especially when Connor McDavid's luck begins to turn. His five-on-five on-ice shooting percentage remains painfully low. Would you rather be in the blue shoes or Edmonton shoes? I I would like to have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on my team, but I'd rather be where the blues are. Absolutely, so would I. So uh, I I wanted folks to weigh in and... I think locally, and maybe we just over... Jeremy Rutherford does an unbelievable job with The Athletic. It's not... This isn't JR. But the numbers... People know what I think. And it's it, it's a, a, not a derogatory, derogatory term. It's a term of endearment. But the numbers nerds, like you said, they need, need to watch more games. But isn't this, you know, what baseball's dealing with right now? So many people that yeah. are so dug in on analytics that they aren't watching the games. So how many people who are running analytics for baseball teams aren't even paying attention to the actual games mm-hmm. or don't know the intricacies of baseball? I mean, this is the example I always go back to. What would the analytics have said about David Freeze when he was in that slump yeah, right. in, in the postseason in 2011? There needs to be a marriage of both. There needs to be numbers that give you 
um, a sample size of what a player is doing and or what to potentially project them to do. But you also cannot discount the human element, what we're actually yeah. seeing, people who know the, the person and how they react under pressure or someone that can rise to the moment or what the work you see someone doing in the cage or out on the others. There's no metric that's going to tell me that Ryan O'Reilly works harder than anybody on the ice. There's no metric that's going to account for Ryan O'Reilly on his off day going to Centene and working on his skills. But guess what? If it comes down to a moment, regardless of what the numbers say, I think that Ryan O'Reilly will be the, the guy that put his team on his back. I'm glad you brought that up. And it goes back to some of my favorite lines from Tori and Larusa. Joe Tori always saying, hey, the game has a heartbeat. The, the game is about people. The, the game isn't a spreadsheet. The game has a heartbeat. And Tony, they're men, not machines. And the way this movement, the analytics movement, would like it to be is for the players to be machines. And we get a couple of texts, 65780, and this one's very salient from the 636. Models are only as good as how they build it. Does it account for the synergies of expected lines, or does it look at individual totals and extrapolate? And P.S., I hate the word synergies. And <laughs> this from the 314. Lecision is still sore about us beating his Bruins. He's biased and bitter. Skeru him. <laughs> is what the 314 says. And from the 314, I think part of it is just how well Huso has played. Uh, he's got the best save percentage in the league. He does. And <laughs> then this from the 618, they hate us because they ain't us. That's true. They hate us because they ain't us. Well, yeah. I, I don't know about that. But it it is interesting how people are taking these numbers and not applying any other form of logic or any other model to it no yeah. human element like can you really account for the chemistry that the russian line had the way we we're seeing buchnevich no. and tarasenko click with one another i mean that's not something that you have a firm number for but it's something that makes a massive difference in the outcome of games well and they compare defense pairings and we should note again that the blues terrible defense has led them to ninth in goals against in the league at 2.76 they say the blues top defense pairing, and they're saying it's Pareko and Mikola, is 27th best in the league. I think a lot of people would argue, and they're basing it on minutes, I think a lot, a lot of people might argue that Justin Falk is the Blues' number one guy, even though the minutes aren't there, and that Falk and Krug is really the Blues' top defense pairing. Yeah. And it doesn't do any good to analyze your top two or your top line. In hockey, you have three defense pairings and you have four lines. Why not go to the trouble of analyzing the entire group rather than just one subsection of the entire group? Well, especially from a team that is not reliant on their top line yeah. to guide them to success. I mean, they don't have one star player or one line that is the difference maker. Look at this game versus Toronto and all of the guys who had points and every line contributing. So if the top line isn't from a metric standpoint, bearing out the numbers that you need to make your argument, well, then you're not watching the blues and you're not actually mm -hmm. looking at the model or the argument that you need to make in order to account for their team's success because in order for this team to be good, they're going to need every line and every player to contribute. Now, this is a little bit extreme, but we'll read it anyway because it's fun. From the 636, take these blankers with analytics and kill them. They are ruining sports, and now we need to rub them out. Okay, well, that's scary. Well, this is the part where I jump in and say I'm a huge fan of analytics. And here's <laughs> why. If you use them correctly, they're very useful. But to Michelle's point, the people who go 100% analytics are doing it wrong because you can't approach the game like that. The expected goals, expected goals and, and, and 
Um, that stat is such a perfect example because people who take it as a end-all, be-all of this is how good or bad an offense is, when it's just all it's trying to tell you is whether or not this, this team gets the best chances that over the history of hockey show score more often. Do you get do you get shots in the slot? Do you get shots in front of the net? That's all expected goals is telling you is that you get more of those shots, which historically across the history of hockey score more goals. It doesn't mean you're going to be the worst. doesn't mean you're going to be the best because – Things all the time in sports that are supposed to be one in a hundred happen all the time, and even though it's one percent chance. That's the entire part about sports that are fun. And I, I can buy into that thought process, but does it factor in whether you're facing Patrick Laleem or Martin Brodeur? I don't expected goals doesn't, but there are stats that that because take into account the other players on the ice and what their ratings are and things like that. I'm naturally going to yeah. expect fewer goals if I'm facing Martin Brodeur than I'm, if I'm facing sure. Patrick Laleem. And that's why it's just one piece in an entire scope of information and data that you have to plug in, including things that are not numbers like chemistry and those kind of things. The past two championships that championships we've seen here in St. Louis are two teams that the numbers would have never predicted to win or mm-hmm. said that they were teams that were deserving of winning. In 2019, the Blues were in dead last. The Cardinals in 2011, they both had to go on magical run. No one would have ever said David Freeze is going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. It's going to be except this. Except for Mark McGuire. Except for Mark McGuire. And, and shout out to Big Mac for not looking at the numbers and mm-hmm. going with his instincts and vouching for him with Tony La Russa. But that's why you have to take all of this stuff with a grain of salt. Just like you you can't continually continuously rely on a player who's not producing because you like him or because he's putting the work in if the numbers aren't there. It has to be a little bit of both in order for you to make these decisions. But I just think that we've gotten to this place with analytics that people want to feel right and feel smart more mm-hmm. than they actually want to be right and be I don't know. It's just, and I think that they're they're phasing out so many people from sports because when teams are taking these models because they want to use these numbers to have the most salient moves from a financial standpoint to project a player's output, it, it's just, it's not entertaining. I don't really care about what the expected goals are. I want to watch the goals in real time, and that's how I'm going to determine what I think about this team. Pump it up here. We're here for a f- reason because we're a f- good hockey team, and we're going to f- come home with a cup here tonight. Let's f- Goal. Expected goals, my ass. There you go. Uh, by the way, this from the 618. Michelle, what book are you reading? It is called Think Again by Adam Grant. It's about unlearning and rethinking and about how so many people in our society today have calcified ideologies and we're not coming to problem solving or conversations with an open mind and how we'd be much more productive if we were able to break down some of the things that we already know and try to see it from someone else's perspective. All right. Like that? If I read books, I would absolutely read it. <laughs> you can get an audio book, Randy. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> that's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's today's big thing. Coming up, are we going to have an agreement between baseball players and owners by the end of the week? We'll find out from Jesse Rogers of ESPN next on Character and Smallman. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, we are going to head down to Florida and joining us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line is ESPN's Jesse Rogers. When you ask about people who know what's going on with the labor negotiations between Major League Baseball and the Players Association, as Tony La Russa would tell us, Jesse is tied for first in terms of knowledge. Uh, Jesse, it's always good to have you with us. Thanks for joining us this morning. How are you doing? <laughs> 
Just don't ask me when it's going to end because I'm not going to sound very smart. Uh, but I'm, I'm doing good. It's, at least I'm in warm weather. Good. Hey, okay, I'm not going to ask you when it's going to end, but I'm going to ask you this. Last week, owners said that at the very uh, earliest they would be able to start games on March 5th and 6th. Would it surprise you if there were spring training games played on March 5th and or 6th? Yes, it would. Not just because of the situation we're facing, but because even if this gets resolved, we're looking at very late this week to do that, uh, which means camps basically open next week and you can't play uh, by March 5th. So it it was kind of like if they came to an agreement today, sure, but I don't see that happening. I think it's going to if something good happens, it's going to be a slow build towards the end of the week, sort of an 11th hour agreement. Um, so I, I don't see see it being the fifth. Now, if you're asking me like, closer to the tenth, I you know I could I could give you maybe a 50 50 sort of thing, uh, sort of an optimistic viewpoint because maybe they do come to an agreement, you know, within a week's time, maybe next Sunday, this Sunday, Monday, a week from today, something like that, and then you get in there. But um, you know, I don't I don't see March fifth, no. Jesse, does the fact that the owners and the MLBPA said that they intend to hold multiple bargaining sessions perhaps every day this week give you hope that they're ready to put this thing into high gear? It gives me a little bit of hope. I wouldn't be down here in Florida if if, if I didn't believe that. Uh, And like I said, I think it's going to be a slow build. I think there will probably be some animosity today and and tomorrow, and then maybe you start to make some real progress. Um, So, yeah, it gives me a little bit of hope. but, But the other side of that is, this is what you have to do, right? That the sport's at its brink. If you're not at least meeting, then what the hell are we doing in this business, right? I'm talking about the, the both sides. So it, it could be all for naught. Like, don't confuse activity with accomplishment. Um, I'll need to hear the rhetoric after these first couple of days. But it, it's not a bad thing. Let's put it that way. If they're going to get an agreement, they better start meeting daily because there's a lot of work to be done. But I do believe, um, like, I think a, a lot of people sort of in the, in the, in the note believe, if they – you know, cross the line on a couple things, everything else will move quickly. So that's the good news. And Jesse, speaking of crossing the line, what do you think the biggest hurdle is for this group? Well, I, I think it's the two big numbers, the minimum salary and the CBT. Uh, if, you, if you break everything down and, you know, uh, like there's no real answer to tanking you're going to find in one CBA negotiation. There's no great answer to service time manipulation. Yeah, you're going to get a couple draft picks if if your star player comes up and stays on the team, all that jazz, right? But but if you raise the minimum um, to to the point where the union's happy, that affects the entire union membership, right? Um, that sort of trickle up effect. Raise the minimum, then the second year players paid more. The third year, then you go into arbitration. And if you raise the CBT, you take care of the star players as well, because now the Yankees, the Cardinals, the Cubs, the teams that have some money can spend if they want to, um, and, and then that takes care of the the star players. So uh, I think raise the minimum, raise the CBT and uh, work from there would be a great way to, to get this thing rolling. ESPN's Jesse Rogers joining us from Florida where the baseball negotiations are taking place. Jesse, it, it seems like when I read that they have these meetings and the players concede maybe a little bit each time, is it fair to say that the players to this point have made more concessions than the owners have? I wouldn't, I wouldn't characterize it that way. I know it's, it's, kind of easy and i know the media coverage has been sort of pro union pro player i think there's an inherent bias in all of us uh we we sort of know these guys right we don't know owners we, we can't you know we know what the players go through to become stars um we we sort of feel like we know them whether it's be media people or just fans you see them every day 
Uh, so we're all kind of, I think, inherently biased towards the players. But I would say in terms of the negotiations, there's plenty of blame to go around. There really is. Um, I mean, I think the, the, the league, you don't have to like their offers, but they've tweaked as much as the union's tweaked. Uh, the problem is it's been quarters here, quarters there, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I, I wouldn't characterize it that way. I would say, just my own quick opinion, I believe in the, uh, you know, the players have the sort of moral high ground, but there are, there, there, there's blame to go around in terms of the negotiation strategies on both sides. And that actually makes me a little optimistic about this week. I don't think we've seen either side's best hand. If it doesn't come this week, then we're in trouble. But my point is, neither side is given its best offer. I don't believe. And that if that comes this week, then that's good news. Um, if it doesn't come this week, then, then we know that, you know, someone's going to be holding out for a long time, in my opinion. So that's kind of the way I look at it. I think we're going to see best hands this week, or at least I hope so. Jesse, we know that there is a lot of animosity between both sides. This has been building and each side is dug in trying to get their desired outcome. But are you hearing anything from either party about the fans or the optics of these negotiations and this lockout and how it may change the way that people are viewing baseball as a whole? You know, I, it's the answer is not really. I mean, they, of course, player-wise, they understand the damage that's being done to fans, but it, it's not their front and center concern. Look, baseball fans are going to be there. Baseball is going to be back. I think Tom Berducci wrote it in Sports Illustrated. Like, the 60-game season, as bad as everything was, they still awarded a champion. They still uh, gave out the Cy Young and the MVP. Like, if this season is five months, so be it, right? They'll still have playoffs in the – uh, yeah, you lose some people, but what are you going to do? You, 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 you've got a priority about the future of, of your union and for owners, the future of your investment. And unfortunately, it, I don't know how else to put it, right? I mean, the fans are going to come second. Um, they're getting refunds for spring games. They'll get refunds for regular season that's missed. And if it's a four-and-a-half-month season, uh, if you're a fan, you'll, you'll watch it. Maybe you'll, you, they'll lose some, but it, it's just not their first concern I sort of understand why. Like, you can only have so many priorities. And for the union, it's the future of, of players getting paid and livelihoods and all that stuff. Jesse, obviously, Bill DeWitt Jr. is a, a guy that adheres to the rules, so he won't talk about this. But uh, I was on a chat with him last week, and he said, hey, we, we're just waiting. We're just, we, are, we don't have anything to do with this. And it's my understanding that Dick Monfort from the Rockies has been the only owner negotiator. What sense are you getting of somebody else from ownership getting involved? Or is it going to be Monfort and Hallam and Manfred and that's it? No, no, there'll be some more owners down here. I don't know exactly how many, but there's going to be a few um, uh, that are going to be here, and there's a bunch of players. That's why they're doing it in Florida, because a lot of players are training here. There's a lot of spring sites, so a lot of players are already down here. Uh, I'm not sure if the whole executive board of the Players Association will be here or not, but uh, Scherzer will be here, Andrew Miller will be here, some owners will be here. I don't know exactly which ones, but yeah, they'll have a hand, but they're they're certainly in the background in terms of negotiating. Um, that that is Dan Halem and, and Bruce Myers' job with Tony Clark and Rob Manfred kind of looking on. But look, it, this involves owners, this involves players, so they're going to get their hands dirty a little bit this week. Um, it'll be interesting how the tone of today, for example, day one. What what's the tone like? Uh, I, I think there's a path. I really do, and that's why I give it a little bit more optimism than maybe. Some of my colleagues, uh, it just depends on how dug in each side is. It's a, it's a crazy game of chicken that's going on. Who's going to blink first kind of thing. Um, I feel like 
you know, the union has some leverage. Uh, and, and if they use it the right way, that they'll make the the uh, the league react, or maybe the league will be proactive. I doubt it, but maybe it'll be proactive, and the union will drop a couple demands, and, and we'll have a path. But uh, it's not shocking we're at this point. Um, the, the the 1990 lockout lasted into early March. This is just kind of like how it works. You need a deadline. You need a break. You need a you need to take things to a break. And um, right now, opening day is kind of the deadline. Working four weeks back from that, of course. Jesse, I want to go back to last Thursday with that last meeting just being 15 minutes. What was your reaction when you heard that they only met for 15 minutes and that many of the key issues at hand weren't even addressed? That's what I'm talking about, not showing their best hands. I I feel like, and I don't know the legal part of this, but like you're supposed to negotiate in good faith, right? So if you keep tweaking, you know, throwing quarters around, like I said, well, at least you're, you're showing it's that activity, but no accomplishment, right? You're, 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 you're showing something. I'm willing to go to the table. I'm willing to give you $5 million here. The other side says, no, I'll take five. I, I just feel like it was all theater. It was all theater to this point. Um, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what I think could happen. Uh, the union wants the league to change its revenue sharing plan, right? Uh, much to the dismay of Bill DeWitt, I'm sure, because they, they want the, the, the small market teams to get less revenue sharing. I don't think the union has a chance in hell of that changing, but I think they could use that as leverage. And I think they've held on to that. Same with the super two expansion. You know, they want 80% now of super of two, two year players to go to arbitration. Uh, I don't think they're going to get that either, but you hold on to it for as long as you can and use it as leverage. So in other words, okay, fine. We won't ask for uh, uh, less revenue sharing, but you better raise the CBT. We won't ask for more super twos, but you better raise the minimum. And I think it's an interesting strategy if it works because you're negotiating off of something you don't have in the first place. The union would, you know what I mean? They're saying uh, we want this revenue sharing. Okay, we won't take it, but give us something else. And I think that's that's an interesting strategy if, if that's how it goes. So I think there's a couple things the union could drop but use as leverage. And on the other side of it, the, the league could say, all right, fine. If you drop this, we'll give you this. So that's where I'm talking about being proactive or reactive. Um, and and I, that's the path I see, whether it happens today or in, in three weeks. I, I think that's the kind of thing that has to go on. Jesse Rogers, you always provide us great information. We'll keep our eyes peeled on Twitter and at ESPN.com for anything that might happen. And we appreciate that you're going to the trouble to be down there and bring us the best information. Thanks so much for the time. You got it. Have a great day. Take you care. You too. See you later. Jesse Rogers of ESPN joining us from Florida, where the negotiations are taking place on Carriker and Smallman. Can they just get it done? Yeah, just get it done. Just, just go done. in a room. Don't even come out. Don't talk to anybody. Loved Jesse and Jeff Passan and Tom Verducci and the gang. But just go in and stay off your phones and get a deal done. But as Jesse said, the fact that he's there, that they feel like optimism. things are, are trending in the right direction, or at least might start to trend in the mm-hmm. right direction, gives me a little bit of hope. He's the best. Hey, we appreciate you tuning in. Coming up, we had the discussion earlier about how baseball can get their TV situation settled so that People are satisfied. Viewers are satisfied. And we want to hear from you next on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. One thing I don't know if everybody is aware of this, but it was brought up on my Twitter poll yesterday as a response on multiple occasions that if you have Spectrum Internet, you can use those credentials to sign up on the Ballet Sports app and you can get 
the Cardinal and or Blues games. You can get everything on the Bally Sports app with your credentials because you're paying for Spectrum Internet. Right now, Michelle, and we have just a few minutes left in the poll, the question is, who do you blame for your TV issues? Your platform for not wanting to pay for the product or the Cardinals slash Bally Sports for not reducing the price for the product. And... 27.7% say they blame their platform. 72.3% say they blame the Cardinals slash MLB slash Bally's. You are somebody that has had difficulty with the Bally app in the past. That's something that they have to fix. They have Mm -hmm. to get right, correct? Yeah. Well, I would imagine if, if they want everyone to have access to the product, of course. But, yeah, when I got back... My TV had been inactive for a long time and it had logged it out and I tried to log in with the code that they give you and it said the video was not available Mm -hmm. to be played. So I couldn't watch it on television or on my computer or on my phone. I tried every device that I possibly had, but thankfully I could listen to Curbs and Joey on 101 ESPN, which I do often. So it's nice to have multiple ways to get a game. But I know the frustration of not being able to get a game when you need it or when you want it. And I think some people have reached that point with streaming or not having access to games and they've said you know what I'm gonna just not pay for it and I'll I'll listen when I can or maybe watch it at a friend's house or something but I think that there should be a third option on that poll do you blame yourself because some people are are willing to pay for Mm -hmm. a product that they want regardless of what it will be and they'll find a way to make it work but I think a a lot of people out there just don't have the same desire to get games in the way that they used to yeah for me it's a priority and obviously with our job it's a priority but even if I worked a real job it would be a priority for me to be able to watch the Cardinals and the Blues. Some people really like it a lot, but it's not worth it for them to change their platform or to pay extra for that premium that is the Cardinals or the Blues. And there are people that would be willing, just to make it easier, to pay for the app. And uh, this is one of the tweets I got. Leave it the way it is, but offer a streaming service that... uh, requires rather than requires cable subscription you pay twenty dollars a month a la carte and you get it a la carte i i would think that that's something that technologically heck it was technologically available 30 years ago so it's certainly available now provide people the opportunity to just watch the game cardinals back in the day in the mid 80s they had their own tv network Mm -hmm. and they could do that again but do it on a bigger scale where you have the platform available on your tablet or on your computer or on your phone as well. I wonder if we'll ever get to a point where you could pay to watch individual games the way you could pay for individual songs on iTunes. Because some people might be very interested in a Dodgers-Cardinals game in September, but they don't want to pay for a Pirates-Cardinals game in mid-June. Yeah, right. You know, so you pay 99 cents or whatever, and you watch that one game. That's the way it should be. And the NFL is headed that way rather than the Sunday ticket. They're going to offer, I believe, in their next iteration of Sunday ticket, which might be on Amazon, the ability to buy games a la carte like that, which just makes sense. It seems like the more options you provide, the more money is going to be available to you. But when you take stock of all of the things that you're paying for every month, whether it's Apple TV or Netflix or Spotify or Hulu, Disney Plus, there's all of these different, an athletic subscription, all of this stuff adds up. And if 
you have YouTube TV and you can watch NFL games and you can watch NBA games and college football games and all of these other games that you want, but you can't get baseball or you can't get hockey there. I mean, in St. Louis, it's a little different, obviously, because those are our two teams in town. But I think for a lot of people, they'll just say, okay, well, I'll just watch the games that are available to me. And with baseball, there are people that can't get Bally but are blacked out from MLB TV. People in Arkansas, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana. There are adjoining states where people don't have access to watch the Cardinals at all, which is terrible. And one thing the NHL has done, to their credit, they used to have that NHL center ice package, which was great, but when they made their deal with ESPN, every single hockey game is available on ESPN+. Now, if you're in the market, you can't get it. But if you are in... Iowa, Indiana, Arkansas, uh, Illinois, and you can't get Bally Sports, you can watch the Blues on ESPN+. Plus. Mm-hmm. And that's something that baseball needs to do because there are a lot of fans, really rabid fans, especially with a, a regional base like the Cardinals have, where they have no access to the game on TV. Which has to be so frustrating. I can't imagine living in a place where if you want to watch Cardinal baseball, you don't have access to it. Crazy. Hey, friend of the station, friend of the show, Janet, has checked in with a mic drop. I grew up listening to Cardinal Baseball on the radio. If they go to an app, that's what we're going to do. I'm just sick of all this stuff. I'm sick of all the fighting when it's time to renew channels and everything. TV is just getting too expensive, especially if you're an older adult. And basically, those are your fans. A hundred percent right, Janet. Preach, Janet. Yeah, she's she's right. And... More than anything else, and I know we talk a lot about engaging the younger fan, but you also have to nurture the people that you are already your base. You don't have kids, and you may never have kids, so you better nurture the people that you do have if you're baseball. And that's a really precarious spot to be in if you are baseball because you're trying to capture a younger audience. You might not be succeeding at that, and you're going to block out mm-hmm. your paying, your current paying customers and maybe anger that person in between by these lockout negotiations. I know that we just talked to Jesse Rogers, and he mentioned that Tom Verducci was saying, oh, people will still show up. It's baseball. I don't know if you can if you can 100% bank on that in any league right now other than the NFL. Uh, other than the NFL, because it just seems like the NFL can do whatever it wants, and the product product is so exciting and engaging that people are going to continue to come back to it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you're baseball, if you can guarantee that, especially with some of the attendance numbers that we've seen recently. If television numbers aren't there, attendance numbers aren't there, what is the data that you have that makes you believe that people are just going to come back? It's no automatic. One text here, and this is pretty much the essence of the problem from the 618. We live 10 minutes north of Alton and have to have direct TV to watch the Cardinals. We have the app also, but we have to wait for the game to end before it's available. So they have one avenue, one vehicle with which to watch Cardinal baseball. It's got to be greater than that if baseball is going to be able to serve everybody that it needs to serve. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Speaking of the Cardinals on TV, the voice of the Cardinals on TV, Dan McLaughlin, joins us next for his weekly visit on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our great friend, the one and only Dan McLaughlin, joins us for his Monday visit with us. How was your weekend, Daniel? 
It was great. How about you guys? Everything was good. I had a half birthday. <laughs> well, you guys are doing half birthdays and quarter birthdays and dog birthdays. And I'll tell you what, if it's a reason to put a carrot cake on the uh, Traeger, I'm in. Uh, Joan actually did make a carrot cake. It wasn't the Traeger carrot cake, but it was very good. She did make a carrot cake, huh? Yeah, it was delicious. I bet it was. I don't know if anybody matches up to you, though, Randall. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate that. No problem, buddy. No uh, problem. All right. How are you guys uh, doing? Well, everything's good. We're hoping for success in these baseball negotiations this week. Allegedly, they're going to meet every day, but I wonder if they meet every day for 15 minutes, what good is that going to do? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the 15-minute meetings, unless it's core economic stuff and they come in and say, okay, this is what we're thinking, and the other side says, oh, no, we don't like that. Okay, see you tomorrow. You know, that's not going to get anything done. Uh, you know, I, I think the frustration with all of us is, is, you know, why would you wait this long? And I understand it's a leverage game that you have to play, and the leverage is money in the pockets and time running out. I get that, but... You had 42 days in which you didn't do anything. It's now, what, 70-plus days that you've not uh, really been negotiating all that much. Um, so from a fan's perspective, those that make a living off the game, it's it's very frustrating. You want to see these guys just kind of almost <clears throat> lock themselves in a room and say, hey, we're not leaving until we get this thing done because the bottom line is you, you, you cannot miss regular season games. I, I truly believe that, you know, missing some spring training games – uh, while it's not good, it's not as bad as regular season. Um, and I, I just wonder if some people go into those rooms and say, hey, we're willing to, to miss some of the regular season to get a five-year deal that works for both sides, or is it necessary that we just need to get back on the field one way or another and be happy with some aspects of the uh, of the agreement and not with others? But I truly believe that you just got to get back on the field some way, somehow. I'm with you, Dan. Well, one thing we did get some progress on was the universal DH. When you look at the Cardinals and some of their internal options to fill that role, who are you intrigued by? There's some names, Newtbar, Gorman, Yepes, but what guy do you think internally might be able to fill that role for the Cardinals? Yeah, you, you named all three of them that I've been thinking about internally. Um, I'll be curious once the work stoppage is done, if the Cardinals go out and say, now that it's official, uh, do we have funds that we want to go spend on the DH, or do we feel happy with that and use those funds for a bullpen guy, let's say, or maybe even another swing guy, a starter? So I'm intrigued with it. But to your question, um, <clears throat> I think it could be a combination of, of any of those three. Now, the Cardinals lineup, Michelle, as you know, is really right-handed heavy, so you would think that a guy like Gorman, uh, Newt Barr, would get a shot at doing something with this. Um, and, and the flexibility of Tommy Edmond gives them – uh, uh, you know, a place potentially for Gorman to play a little bit in terms of defensively, and then maybe Tommy can give somebody a day off in the outfield or, you know, whatever the case may be that uh, you try to get these guys the proper playing time. I, I think the thing that I'd be – and I don't know where the Cardinals are on this and if their mindset has changed, but where I'd be hesitant is with a guy like Gorman and pigeonholing him and saying, okay, you're just going to be a hitter. You're only a DH. I, I think he's more than that. I think he could be – a defensive player for you and a two-way player as opposed to just saying, hey, this young guy, we're just going to make him a hitter and that's it. And the other aspect of this, too, is Jordan Walker. Now, he's never played above double-A, but by all accounts, <clears throat> his track to the big leagues is very, very quick. So we'll see where uh, where that stands as we go along in this season as well. And, and it plays into would you rather 
go with the young guys and live with what you have early on and, and let them produce. You know, if they do produce, they stay. Or do you go out and spend some money and, and bring in a, you know, like a Kyle Schwarber or somebody like that? But that's going to take years and that's going to take money. So we'll see uh, exactly what direction they want to go. Hey, Dan, we've talked a lot this morning about television and accessibility of TV. How often when you're out in public, does somebody come up to you and say, man, I'd love to be able to watch you and, and the games all the time, but I don't have access to them. We hear it a lot here at the station. We get texts, we get tweets. Is that something that people talk to you about a lot? You know, I, I get some of that, um, and I understand there's frustration not only in this market but with baseball as a whole, just trying to make sure that you can get it to every household that uh, wants to watch baseball. More than anything, I get that people really take in their games on their phones, and there's people that do a lot of things during the summer outside of just sitting down for three hours and watching a baseball game. Now, there's some people that do that every night. Like, my mom's a great example. She's one that's, you know, in her mid-70s and, and is not, you know, running the, the, around town, and her kids are grown. So, you know, that aspect of her life has changed to where she loves to be able to sit down and watch that game. Um, and then I hear from young people where they say, well, I was out doing this, that, and the other, and I just catch the highlights on, you know, cardinals.com or Twitter or whatever, you can get the game feed the next day, which is condensed into you know a 10-minute format of seeing the highlights. So I get a little bit of everything um, with it, Randy, but um, I, I definitely hear fans' frustrations. I, I do. I mean, some people have told me, you know, I, I had this cable service, and then I jumped to this one, and then that one dropped it, and then I had to go to this one. And I, I think baseball has got to find a way to make this accessible for all some way, somehow. Dan, I've been thinking a lot about what we would be talking about right now had spring training been happening. And somebody that I keep thinking about is Alex Reyes. Even though he's always projected to be a starter, it doesn't seem like he's going to be slotted for that role this season. I would love to eventually see it. Do you think we're ever going to see Alex Reyes be a rotation guy? Or do you think that I need to just let that dream die on the vine? Oh, man. I, I think, yeah, I do. Um, I don't know if we're, we're going to see him close games out ever again after what took place last year. And, and, you know, the last game is the last game, but that stretch run that he had was rough, um, even though I think his stuff is good enough to be a closer, and I think he is a phenomenal talent. It's just when you're the closer, you're the hero of the GOAT, right? And when you mess up, and when it's not in the sixth inning and it comes in the ninth inning, it's exposed more so than any other time in the baseball game and over the course of a season if you mess up. But his talent is just through the roof. And there are times when you watch him and you say, man, oh, man, this guy's amazing. Um, and I'd love to see him in the rotation at some point, Michelle, but I can't do it unless he throws strikes. And the thing is, when you look at his walk rate, it, it's got to come down for him to be a rotation guy because if he goes out there every – five days and is walking an average of four to five batters, he's only going to last three or four innings. And that doesn't do him or the team any good. So in any role that he goes in this year, the walk rate has got to be cut. And if not, he's not going to have success. Hey, Dan, one last thing, and we have about a minute, 90 seconds left here. One of the cool things about spring training at this time of year, if you have a normal spring training, is that, A, you can go to the backfields because games haven't started yet, and you can watch what's happening on the backfields. But as cool is it, players are out of there generally by noon, and the Honda Classic is going on down in Jupiter. Yeah. And it's really cool, and it's really easy to get to. 
to go watch some pro golf after you spend the morning watching baseball. Oh, yeah, I've done that multiple times. It's awesome. And it's one of those tournaments, too, that's – and, Randy, you've been there. And, Michelle, I'm sure you probably have heard about it, but you don't – it's not, like, packed. It, so you want to yeah. go watch, you know, your your favorite player, and it, it could be one of the big-name players – You'll be able to do it. I mean, you walk 18 with them and, and be fairly close and to see it up close. And as it pertains to baseball, it's one of the things this time of year, the first couple of weeks that I really am disappointed for fans because the players are relaxed, too, for the most part. Um, games haven't started. Are jobs on the line? Sure. There, there's some jobs on the line, and every at-bat for a young player is is magnified as they try to make a team. But they are relaxed, and so you'll get the autographs. You'll see them about town. You'll you'll see them in a different atmosphere where you can get up close and see Wayno uh, facing Yachty in the box, you know, in, in, on the backfield. So all those things right now are not available, and that's that's really disappointing because it's a, it's a great time if you're a baseball fan to go watch it and to be up close. Daniel, you're the best. Thanks very much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a great day. You too, guys, and I'll uh, talk to you next Monday. You bet. That is Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. By the way, if you missed any portion of this program, you can listen to it on our podcast brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Service. And we have some cool things that are happening this week. Michelle will be at Copper Fire on Friday from 5 to 7 before the hockey game. Enjoy 16 drought taps, all served ice cold. Plus, they serve, Michelle, this incredible thing that I know you love at Copper Fire. It's the Gloria Cocktail Slushie. They actually have the largest boozy slushy bar on the Illinois side of the river. So. Pretty cool. That's Friday from 5 to 7 at Copper Fire. And 101 ESPN is going to be giving away a pair of t- passes to a session of your choice for the Valley Tournament Arch Madness coming to the Enterprise Center next Thursday, March 3rd through the 6th. We're going to give away two pairs tomorrow. It begins here with the 32nd annual MVC tournament. That's the start of March Madness. Find a, bo- find a bonus chance to win free tickets for Arch Madness now either at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app. Yes, sir. Cooper Fire brought in food, by the way. I had the, the, the pasta, the meatballs, the garlic bread, oh, the Caesar okay. salad. I tell you what, man, they know what they're doing there. Make your way to Copper Fire in Belleville, Illinois. Thank you, Matthew. Great job. Thank you, Randy. That's uh, Matt Rocky, our producer engineer. Michelle, this was a fun Monday. It was. I will see you guys tomorrow. We'll be back at it tomorrow, and we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.